think I said to Kara, I said, man, what an embarrassment I was in that show. And they go, oh, no, 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 you just have gotten better. That's like a nice <laughs> way of saying, man, you suck. Well, the number one <laughs> feedback that I got was, um, good job not swearing. And I... That you didn't swear. Yeah, so now I have to be like extra cognizant that I don't. That's my right. Oh, like, hey, don't get sucked up into their vulgarity. Yeah, you don't want to No, do it that. wasn't exactly that. It That's was, how I take it. It was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Good job. It sounds like, hey, it sounds like something your know. wife would say. Did your wife say that to you? Yeah. Was it? Oh, no. Was she doesn't say anything to me. Come oh. on. No, she just says, I'm, I'm going to buy the expensive cheese this time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chris, I went That's to um, L.A. yesterday, Los City. Angeles, City of Angels. Yeah. I had a meeting with, um, uh, uh, let's do some name dropping. I had a meeting at William Morris Endeavor um, with uh, Strauss Meats. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. And uh, Matt Matt went down there with me. He chaperoned me. Yep, made sure everyone, yeah, buddy system. And we met with the CEO of Strauss Meats, Randy Strauss, and we met with their CFO, Jerry... Do not remember the last name. Garcia. And, yep. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and their head of social media, Michelle... Didn't get her last name. Anyway, and our, our agent, um, our gay-gent, she, no, she, I don't think she's gay. Our agent <laughs> um, is named Gabby Morgerman, fantastic woman. And as I approached her to speak to her, I was going to say something like really close to her face. Um, she took a step back. And when people do that to me, when I when when people do that to me, and and it actually never really ever happens to me, but when people step close to me and I step back like that, it's for one reason and one reason only. Their breath, oh, like boy. I'm not afraid of some incidental touching, you know, but I think it's the breath. So then from there we walked into the bathroom, and I asked Matt. I said, "Hey, how is how have you smelled my breath today?" And I forget what his answer was, but it was, it was a yes or no question, and he didn't answer yes or no. And I go, hey, dude, have you smelled my breath today? And, you know, we're doing bathroom things. I'm peeing. He's peeing. He's washing his hands. Yeah. And he gives another answer. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to fucking ask you if you smell my breath today. He goes, dude, you drink coffee. I'm like, so you did smell my breath today? He goes, it's not bad. I'm like, hey, I don't want anyone smelling me. I don't want you smelling me if I'm good. I don't want you smelling me if I'm bad. I don't. I don't want my odor in your shit because I don't want anyone else's odor kind of in my shit. Like, you know no, what I mean? No, but I, I think you're, you're just hypersensitive to it. Like, coffee is not a bad smell. It's not like you, you go automatically to the worst case scenario in this. You're like, oh my God, my breath probably smells like fresh dog shit just steaming on the lawn right I now. I did ask him, and like, that, does it smell like dick? Because, like, I was trying to, like, be like, let's get on some extremes yeah. here. And and I just, I don't, I don't think it's as bad as you're making it out to be. And just because Gabby said that your breath smelled... She didn't even say she didn't say bad. Oh, she said she here we it. go. She didn't say she smelt it. I'm making when I saw her take a step back. Have you done that? Well, I have almost no sense of smell, so that's right. So you can't smell my breath from over there. No, as long as just like a dragon. <sighs> Eric, <laughs> have you ever smelt my breath? Like, do you? Do I? I've, I've never been too close to you. <laughs> Look at him. He's got a whole Ford of electronics between him and me right now. I know, but I was He's spending a lot of time with it. Anyway, it, it, it's, it was real to me, and I was just like, this morning I'm driving in, I'm just frustrated. It's like, dude, I just like, I just want a fucking answer. Like, no, you're seeking a certain answer, and you're not gonna, you're not gonna stop until you get the one you want. No, if you That's said, you hey, doing. dude, I did smell your breath, and it smells like coffee, I would be like, okay, I understand. But you're like dancing around, like you're shucking and jiving. I don't know what your angle is. I'm trying to protect myself. <laughs> <laughs> When 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 you were here, Chris, um, uh, last time we took a lot of information from you, okay. and um, Matt uh, proposed that on this particular 
journey back that we should give back to you, right, Matt? All right. Yeah, perhaps a little feedback. Yeah, a little feedback. Yeah. We, so we so we have some suggestions. Awesome. Um, we um we last night we spent a lot of time looking at this. Awesome. You have three books out, right? I have four. You have four books. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you very much. <laughs> is that it? Is it, oh that's saying because I only said three or is that the name of your fourth book? Yeah. Is you be swore. Now. Oh, you we swore. Got it. We got it. <laughs> I did on the last one too, so I was surprised to get that comment. But. Damn it. Um, there is, uh, where is that other book? Yeah, if you guys are going to bring up like typos and spacing problems, then. Oh, no, no, this is problem. real world shit. Okay. We're gonna give you, this is real feedback. This is like not shallow shit yeah. like that. Okay, good. No, no, this is like, we're going to give you some fucking feedback. There, uh, so, what are the four books? There's this two brain business, which yeah. is awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the third is Help First, which is a marketing book. And yes, the, the we have. The fourth was actually my first, which is uh, Enrichment Through Exercise. And that's really cognitive training using fitness. Is that where the Ignite yep. gym? Okay, I want to talk about that. We'll yeah. circle back around. Sure. So is this book and this book, are these the same book and one's... No, no, they're two no, completely different very books. Different, yeah. Right. Completely n- more information, new yep. information. Even some proving some stuff in this first book is being wrong. Yep. Okay. So let, let's get let's get through these um, these top five things. That five? We, five things that mm-hmm. we think... That do I need to call HR? Improve. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think you might want to write these down. I don't even have a pen. I'm not going to pick up my phone because that's what you guys pegged me on last time. Number one, um, your book lacks pictures. Well, okay. So the, we, we orig- need, like, the original like, how one How about just a picture pictures. of Rich Froning right here? Do you, you guys would sue me. Okay, well, let's figure someone out. Let's figure someone out. <laughs> maybe you, about, maybe you could like, like a caricature. Him? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Something. Just get, get, yes. Maybe like a little Boy, break. Boy, he knows us well. A little, you guys would sue me. Just like, yeah, well, so the original one did have pictures and mm-hmm. Getty Images was like, hey, can't wait till you sell a million of these. I mean, who is Getty? Here's anyways. a picture. Oh, yeah. hey, there we go. Yeah. The love. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just times that by 20. Give us a little break on the eyes. How about just a little centerpiece I... with like 12 pictures in it? Like like Malcolm X's autobiography. You know what I mean? It's got like okay. like that little center like... No, I don't know. His okay. <laughs> okay, so that's <laughs> anyway, the first I'm not going to rewrite that book. Um, so good, good advice to start with. Mm-hmm. They get better and better. You're, you're running a mentoring program. Yep. We really don't want you to get Me Too'd. What does that mean? That means, you know, the Me Too movement. You don't know the Me Too movement? Okay, there's this thing going on in the United States where if you're inappropriate with the, it can be same sex. It can be with anybody. Or opposite sex, you get Me Too'd, hashtag Me Too'd. Okay. Don't get Me Too'd. Okay. Have appropriate behavior with, that's just advice. Like, we give each other that advice Mm -hmm. all the time. Oh, okay. Treat people fairly. So if somebody tags me and hashtags me too, then I've assaulted them. That's probably not a good thing. That's probably not a good thing. Yeah. Don't get oh. me too. Okay. If it's if it's me too brain business, that's fine. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> well, not as bad. Spacing. Yeah. Spacing. The spacing in this is incredible. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> it's so you can take notes. We think, and this is really Matt's idea, that you could increase the spacing by four or five times and you get a thousand pages out of this book. <laughs> yeah. And so when you finish, no, you no, just feel like four you, books. Re- you really accomplished something. It's like, did I just read the Iliad or Two Brain Business? Okay. <laughs> no, four books. <laughs> I mean, you're feeling it. You're feeling it. Yeah, now we're, you see that? We're feeling it. We're feeling it. We're getting into the, okay. Another, I, I, this one's all Matt too. This is really good. The name of this book is um, Two Brain Business. Yep. 
three brain business. Maybe it's like a follow-up. You know, it, it could no, even that's be, like the six-minute abs scene from it, uh, it could be, Something it could About be, Mary. It could be yeah. three brain business, 3.0. Like, it would blow people's minds. <laughs> Why are you stopping at two brain? What is two brain? <laughs> two brain is uh, referring to the left and right hemispheres of your brain. Left side is more analytical, uh, data-driven. Right side is more creative. Uh, and so the two sides have to work together to make a good business. The Three only... brain is like six minute abs. That's just crazy. <laughs> the, the only two people I'm ever nervous about having, I've ever been nervous about having in here is Chris and Bob. Because when I just know someone smarter than me, I'm always oh, nervous. I'm like, oh, fuck, what is two brain? I didn't even know. Okay. Who's Bob? Bob, the doctor. Dr. Bob. Dr. Oh, Dr. Bob. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's scary for sure. He makes us feel oh, comfortable. Hey. He makes us feel comfortable. He's yeah. like you. Okay. Now this one is like, you can take or throw away the other ones. This one we really want to. Um, it, this one's important. Your your pen name is cute, Chris Cooper. It's catchy. <laughs> we like it, right? Yeah, it's got the alliterations there. Like it's it's got some play. And we think you could drive it further with like Coop Cooper. Coop Cooper. Yeah, I mean that's oh, yeah. yeah right. But really, if you want to sell books, it should be Chris Cooperstein. Cooperstein or Coopersburg. You could, it'd be like a pen name. You could do Yes, both. yes. I'm going to tell you guys a secret. Yes. I don't care if I sell books. <laughs> oh, yeah. I knew you'd come back with something smart like that. <laughs> Guess how much I make off that book? Um, you sold... I've sold 18,000. 18,000 copies are we at $20 a pop, and yeah. you get 10% of that, so $18,000. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Are, we talking, are we talking loonies or dollars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, straight hey. Here. Yeah, Is that what we yeah, call Jones. Canadian money? Yeah. Yeah, pretty, it is what we call Pretty Canadian crazy, money. isn't it? Is that, is that you know? You know what we really call Canadian money in America? What? Seventy-five cents. <laughs> um, how much have you made off the book? Um, Hundred eighty thousand. No, God. Uh, Eighteen thousand copies sold of the first one. Probably about six thousand sold of the other two made ones, um, and I make maybe about four bucks per book. But it's um, the goal is just to get people uh, to take enough action to make enough money to pay for a mentor, either us or somebody else. This book's amazing. Mm -hmm. Thanks. It's like, it's way more tactical. Like, how can you not yeah. open an affiliate and read this? I That's wonder. Right. I wonder how many affiliates have read this. I mean, I, I was flipping through it last night, and there's some things I wanted to tell my affiliate owner. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah crazy stuff. Thanks. Um, were you nervous when we were going to give you criticism on your book? Did you think we were serious? No, I totally thought you were leading up to like a bad breath comment. Or something. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I can't smell your breath. You know, I was in the same boat. I didn't really know what it was. Well, going, you but you I use it. this mic after me, and then you give me some, <laughs> some more feedback. I rotate the mics. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids have an Amazon account mm -hmm. that's branded with their website, averysbook.com. Yeah. And that's your daughter's name? Yeah. And she's 13? She is now, yeah. And that, for, that domain name forwards to an Amazon shop where you can see the books they've purchased and read, and then they review the books. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, like, how did you get that idea? Tell me how that, tell me that uh, whole story. I'm so dying to hear that story. Amazon has changed quite a bit, right? Um, they used to have this program called the A Store, where any you could be an affiliate of Amazon and basically make a commission of like seven to nine percent uh, if you had a referral link. Your so, book says four to six for them. Yeah, it was. Okay. But since then, what's happened is they've actually changed their uh, policies on use. So if I'm selling to kids now, uh, you basically can't do it with an A store link anymore. So right now, my kids aren't making money off that. But 
But the project was these kids buy seven to 10 books a week. And my whole place was stacking up with them. And so the deal was if they wanted more books that either they had to donate their books to like a library at their school or they had to just do a review. So we started doing that probably when Avery was maybe seven or eight. And she would actually write the review down and then you would type it into Amazon? Yeah, and she she, uh, had some podcast episodes too. Like I would just interview her, but she's always been great like that. Wow. So you're saying that... you had built them a store, but that kids' products can't, a commission can't be made off of kids' products anymore. You just if can't you, sell to kids on an Amazon A store anymore. But you, pr- I don't know what an, what's an A store? That's the affiliate oh, link okay. setup thing. <clears throat> but you couldn't sell to kids anyway. You'd have to sell to their parents. Right. Yeah. So can you sell, can, can they still make money off of their references? They could now if I went back and kind of started from scratch. But yeah. that original account, Amazon flagged because we were um, selling to kids. So even though it was kids. It's not making sense to me because yeah. kids don't have credit cards. How would kids buy on Amazon? Yeah, but how are they going to verify that everyone, I don't know. everyone's a kid? I don't know. Yeah, something, something's, got- th- this is, something's not sticking. <clears throat> but anyway, but it is still possible for someone to set up an affiliate store. Meaning I could sell up yeah. a store and be like, hey, and I could put your book in it and be like, hey, everyone, I read this book. It's fucking amazing. Go to my store and buy it. Yep. And then I get a cut of the loot. Yeah, 7% probably. Wow. Do you have one of those stores? Yeah. yeah. And, and what do you have in your store? Uh, just other books that I've read and recommend. Do you have like jump ropes in there or stuff nope. like that? No. Do you have any, any stuff like that? Like your nope. favorite razor? Is, no. it, is it only books that you can endorse and receive a cut off of? No, it's anything that it's sold on Amazon. You can create an affiliate link to it. You know, guys make millions of dollars just doing this. Um, a guy that used to come to my gym before I realized who he was has a website called amazing.com, and this is all he does. Wow. He, he builds affiliate links, sells them on his store, so he'll talk about, like, the top 10, 7 new TVs in 2018. People will click the link and buy it, and, you know, multimillionaire. He gets a commission. Yeah. Wow, he has amazing.com? Yeah. I know that's yeah. nice. That's How amazing. Yeah. Long, long. What way. razor do you use? Uh, I think I use a Gillette. It's like a big pack from Costco. Yeah, the blue one. It's like the one thing I go to Costco. Oh, for. with two blades, the disposable. No, it's got three. Yeah, it's blue. Yeah, three. Is that what you use? I guess. Yeah. You don't know? It, it's well, no, like... you traveled, so you probably got one. Either bought one. Yeah, or there's got a, one. I had a blue one this morning. Two blades or three blades? That's a good question. Uh, you know, wow. Come back to that. What do you? You do? stumped me. Yeah. I use this electrical one called One Blade, and mm. never would get me as close as. I mean, you guys are, you guys are close shaving. That's yeah, I haven't it. shaved in like a week either. So. Really? <laughs> oh, like I, sh- I, I shaved. I shaved this morning. Wow. Not my not my upper lip. In the book, Two Brain Business. There's there 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 are these two thoughts, um, and we sort of went over this in the last episode, but I, but I kind of want to drive this home a little more. There. There is the thought that you shouldn't be selling, you shouldn't be chasing memberships, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the gross volume of memberships. And that you also, it's not accurate to think that just being a good trainer will be a successful business. That's right. So what is the, is there a, mo- like I would think both of the, either one of those is good mantras. Mm-hmm. More customers, more customers. Better training, better training. Mm-hmm. What is the mantra? If I have to keep a mantra in my head, is there something that like I should wake up every morning and be like, "This is, yeah, this is who I am." I, I think that uh, most people really should be shooting for 150 perfect clients, 
before they do anything else. So right now, the reason that most people are shooting for 300, 400 is because those are the only numbers that they've ever heard mm -hmm. uh, that, that have been associated with success. Um, the problem is that if you're an owner-operator business, like a CrossFit affiliate, and uh, you have a 10% turnover rate, and you have 300 clients, you need to get a new client every single day for the rest of your career. Mm -hmm. And you're going to spend a lot of time doing that and a lot of money that could be better applied to changing people's health and, and life. What, what, what is the perfect client? Perfect client is somebody who doesn't have to stop and think about how much they're paying every month, <laughs> mm -hmm. who increases the atmosphere of the gym, um, so we do an exercise called the pumpkin plan and there's a guy named Mike McCallowitz who wrote a book on this called the pumpkin plan. Mm -hmm. And he basically says, you know, make a list of your top 10 clients by revenue. Sounds cold, but you know, this is one criteria mm -hmm. and then make a second list of your top 10 clients by joy. How much, how much, you know, do they improve your attitude when they come in the gym? And then you compare the two lists and you say, what are the common names on both lists? And there might be three or four, like there's a lot of overlap there. Mm -hmm. And then you take those. What, do, what do you coffee. mean the common names? So let's say like Savon, you're on my oh, top. Oh, I'm hang. on both lists. You're on both lists. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, so then I want to say, well, why do you come to my gym and take you for coffee and ask you a few questions? So when I did the exercise, I thought that people were going to say CrossFit is really tough, but it's fun, and I'm getting all these amazing results, and um, Chris makes it feel like a sport, or Chris knows everything, whatever. And none of them said that. They said, I don't have to think when I'm here. Um, this is the only place in my day when somebody says you're doing it right. Hmm. And I just feel better when I leave, you know, than when I got here. And when I, when I started to understand, like, that's what my best clients wanted, then it was like, I don't care if we ever make regionals. I don't care if, um, you know, I don't, I don't care if anybody has a two minute friend in this gym. I just want them to stay here for 20 years and get happy. And, and so, so our whole branding changed. Wait, and so what, so I'm, I'm curious, what is, so if they're on each list and they give you these reasons as far as, oh, you're just saying that they're, they're your most valuable customers, so you value their opinion the most. Yeah. So, okay. you know, everybody knows it's smart to get customer feedback, right? But you don't just survey all of your clients because probably the squeaky wheels are the ones yeah, who are going to okay. sound the loudest. Mm -hmm. And then you wind up responding to the wrong people when really you should have, you should at least know who your best customers are and make decisions based on what they want and, and what, you know. Because you're going to lose the other people anyway. The one thing I don't follow is pumpkin. Where, why is it called the pumpkin? Uh, so it, the the analogy is if you want to grow like the world's biggest pumpkin, you have to start with the, the world's second biggest pumpkin seeds. Mm -hmm. Plant those seeds, water those seeds, fertilize those seeds, and then kill all the other pumpkins. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Yeah. Cold-blooded. So the, yeah, Exactly. Mm -hmm. So Are watermelons the same way? Sure. I know apples are the same way because I grew up on a – on a farm with an orchard, but I don't know about watermelons. I it's like so. most gourds react like that. Most gourds, yeah. You whack. Wait, tell me about apples. You don't whack the weak apple trees, do you? Yeah, you prune them back. So if you have if you have an apple tree, mm -hmm. thirty percent of the branches are dead, thirty percent are underproducing, and forty percent are amazing. So you cut off the dead ones, you cut off the underproducing ones, and suddenly you have bigger, sweeter apples. Yeah, and what that does also is invests in the trunk, the heart of the tree, as opposed yeah. to just growing outward. Do you do that over and over? Is that a practice you do, the pumpkin patch practice? Oh, uh, yeah. Once a year, once a two, every two years. So I don't actively prune clients who aren't perfect. <laughs> I didn't. Mean, I, I wasn't suggesting that, but yeah. Okay. But I all, but I do know who they are, and so when I make a change in my gym, like last year, we decided we were going to drop our lowest price tier. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so we were we had a, an eight visits a month tier, and we decided to drop it. But I knew that most of the people who fell into that category were not my ideal clients, and so when they started quitting. 
I understood why and and that made it okay there's a there's a quote in the book um I'm not going to quote it exactly right. I can't find it. But basically, over time, problems compound, yeah. and, su- and over time, successes compound. Can there be? That was in my book, wasn't it? <laughs> that was profound. Yeah, I hope it was. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I mean, I mean, I wrote it down. I learned it yesterday. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You sure as fuck didn't learn that one. Sit next to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Keep making it up. This uh, is great. Uh, damn. <laughs> I'm going to call you it? before the next book comes out Where because uh, that was a good one. I don't think I wrote that. No, you did. Hey, what was Come the on. thing I thought Come you on. said? Um, it sounded like... Uh... No, but it's true. I mean, problems do compound, right? So um, I think the example that I might have used in the book was I had a personal training client. Sorry, you used success. Success compounds. You said um, Cooper time. Over time, problems compound, and over time, success compounds. Sorry. I'm going to trademark that. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. Go for it. Take it and run Cheers. With it. You already did. Um, I already did. Yeah. The first one's free. Um, so basically, if, if you have, uh, you could have a culture problem. Like if you have one member, for example, who always shows up three minutes late for class mm. and there's no action taken, then sooner or later, class will start at three minutes past the hour because everybody will show up three minutes late for class, right? Uh, if if I have a client who's not a great fit, who demands all of my positive energy that I could be sharing with other people and like drains me, um, then the best thing I can do for all of my other clients is take that person out of the gym. And that's something that it took me a long time to understand. You know, it was, oh, fuck, you get better at her name out there. Nice. We'll do. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, also, also that I said fuck. Also that I just said it. Yeah. I'll do a beep for beep. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Get, get a little ticker up here. So, yeah. so, uh, so you knew a guy named Charlie. I knew this guy named Charlie. He was depressed. The solution to his depression was probably exercise. Um, and for two years, I told myself that it was my job to save Charlie. Uh, he would show up late for sessions. I would dread training him all day Monday all morning Tuesday until his session and then after his session on Tuesday I would be so exhausted that uh, I was not giving my top coaching you know ability to the rest of my clients and when I finally realized like not only was it okay to fire Charlie but it was my duty to the rest of the community to get rid of Charlie uh, I did it like that day but how, did, how did he respond very poorly he did yeah he didn't want to go and um, you know but what helps me make these tough decisions is is saying to myself like what's the right thing to do for the majority of people in my gym what happened to charlie do you know no but you're in a small town yeah we have one degree of separation in our city um and charlie's brother-in-law kept coming to the gym but um i knew that if i kept asking after charlie it would get back to charlie and he'd be encouraged to keep trying to come back because he did oh okay yeah well that that's a huge compliment right maybe yeah. They kept trying to come back. Yeah. Hey, get the fuck out of here. It's like a, you know what I mean? Yeah, he dog. keeps coming back. Um, it's interesting. You said you wanted to save, uh, you wanted to save Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, the last time you were here, episode 19 of this podcast, you mentioned um, the hard times of when you first started opening a gym and that there were some real struggles mm-hmm. and that the struggles were just around b- making men- ends meet and how basically that, that entered your home life. Um, or I don't know if you said that, but I gleaned that from your book and I prodded you mm-hmm. about it a little bit. Is that who Chris Cooper is? It, it, and you took full responsibility for it. When I was trying to be like, hey, was your wife not being cool? You're like, no, I wasn't doing my job. I wasn't doing it. 
and, and you took full responsibility. Is that who you are? Are you a saver? Are you a... I think I are really... You, are you everyone's dad? Yeah, maybe. I really, I need people to like me, I think. And so um, most of the time that's really helpful. You so know? how did you fire Charlie then? I had to say it to his face. Well, it sounded like Charlie really liked you. Yeah. Was that, that must've been crazy hard. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's this guy who wants to help and save everyone. Mm. And then yet he had to, but he's, he's looking out for the herd, right? Yeah. That's, that's how point. I, that's how I do it. When I have to make a tough decision, I say, how does this affect the rest of my clients? And then in the balance, you have to say, I need to do the right thing here for those other people. And that's how I make myself do hard things like that. And the only hard things in my life are managing relationships when I, when I have to do something difficult in a relationship, you know, the rest of my life is a cakewalk. Wow. That's my life too. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, you say in this book at 39, you're basically retired. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I must not know what retired is. Cause I, I suspect you're a workaholic. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> retirement for meaning well, you don't have to do what you don't want to do or exactly. I have choice. Yeah. Um, retirement for our parents, my parents, are, they're in Florida. They're going to Vegas night on Tuesdays in their retirement community, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever. They're watching Judge Wapner on TV. Um, <laughs> retirement for us just means freedom of choice. I can choose where I spend my time. And I, I still work just as much. I get up at 4 a.m. I was up at like 3 a.m. your time this morning writing, and um, but I can do that if I want to. Do you know Josh Bunch? Yeah, absolutely. Practice, yeah. Are you on a similar? Um, he he's very structured. I no. I wish I had the rigor that Josh Bunch does. He writes seven thousand words a day, and I wake up in the morning and I feel compelled to say, usually something, and it's usually triggered by something that I read the day before. So, for example, right now a big trend in affiliates is I'm going to hire this marketing company and they're going to get me three hundred cold leads who've never heard of CrossFit, blah blah blah, and that drives me bananas. Um, I think that we're in the relationship business and um, all the bait and switch stuff that goes on, uh, it it makes me feel compelled to write an alternative. The only reason that affiliates are doing this is because they don't know how else to get new clients and and they're hurting, they're buying the cheap cheese, you know, Uh, and so they see this kind of golden ring placed in front of them and they take out like a bank loan to pay for Facebook ads, you know, Mm. and then... That's what you, the, is that what this marketing firm is directing them to do? Oh, there's not. Or, it's not just one. There's okay. There's a dozen. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, they'll be told like, do this, this, this. Here's the ads. You promise people they come in. It's free. Uh, it's not free. When the person gets there, they find out it's five hundred bucks, and if they meet these criteria, they can get their money back. And often they don't get their money back, and then they start hammering the affiliate, and they leave poor Google reviews, and they trash them on Facebook, mm. and. Mm. Um, when you're in the relationship business, having a lot of people hate you is not a great investment. So, it, it, I was looking at a gym the other day. Uh, I typed in CrossFit. I was looking for a gym, and you know, all the gyms in the area yeah. popped up. And I was looking at a bunch of more, like I'd say, eighty percent of them were all five star reviews. And then there was one that was like had a three star review, and I was like, oh shit, what would I do? Yeah. If I if my if I had a three star review, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, would I freak out? Would I go? Like me personally, when I when I go and look at negative reviews, I like it when the owner responds. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah, do you like that? Like I someone's think so, like, here's the expert. I mean, yeah, yeah, having a voice. I that's mean, important. It's it's like, it's it's basically like someone's. I mean, the internet is a public forum, 
and people are talking ill upon you and your livelihood, why wouldn't you go in and defend yourself? Unless they're right. In which case, mm. you really don't have a defense, but I mean, still, you could make something up. Or but just, I, or but I, think, just, I think you raise a good point. It's good that they acknowledge it and respond. Or just own it. Okay. Hey, I went to CrossFit so and so last Saturday. I got to the front desk, and there was a 17 year old girl there smacking her gum, um, and I got no attention. One star. If I'm the owner, I come back on and be like, hey, I have to tell you something. My kid caught the flu at 107 degree temperature. I had to rush him to the hospital. I am so sorry. We never leave that 17 year old girl there alone at the front desk we had to do it as an emergency please come back again we'd love to give you a right mm. but, so i mean i mean a real story don't make that shit up no but like, if but it's, like it's let them know that like yeah. hey i i hear you and you're right but man i had some mm-hmm. you know what i mean the toilet flooded and i was getting a plunger i apologize i wasn't yeah. there so in that case i i absolutely agree the the things that people are sending me in screenshots are um, don't go to this place. It's a ripoff. It's a scam. They'll take, don't give them your money. Don't trust them. One star. And that's the kind of stuff that really haunts you because review sites, they'll usually pick like top three reviews positive and top three negative reviews and highlight right. both, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So you can have 10,000 positive reviews. You've been in business for 10 years and your reputation could be damaged. You know, by a couple, upon a couple one stars. And what do you do? How do you get around that? Change the name of your gym? Yeah. I, well, you know, a, a a guy um, that I've been talking to named Mike, he says, like, they're thinking about closing their gym, 10 year affiliate, moving back to Sweden, doing something else. Because of the negative reviews. Yeah, just the, the damage that this type of marketing has done to his gym. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so he, he took out, he went through a marketing yeah. agency? Yeah. Oh. So we actually wow. get, we get a lot of people who've, who've gone through the marketing program and then they seek a business mentor and um, they don't, they've had money for the, they have money for the first time. It's great. But they're like a new lottery winner, you know, and like 50% of lottery winners are divorced within three years. Mm. Within five years, it's it's usually gone. Um, and it's just, there's no financial plan. They don't have a background with that kind of income. And so it's, uh, yeah, it, it can hurt them. Brings me to another point, by the way, uh, 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 his Instagram is at Matt Bischel. Um, and I was actually thinking about buying him. 20,000 followers. It was like $269. Okay. And I think they all come from India. Perfect. And and I was like, are you gay, Matt? And he's like, yeah. And then I was like, oh shit. But then can you imagine that? That must really just screw your account up. Yeah. Having 20,000 false accounts. (laughs) Yeah, I could. It would have been funny. I noticed on my data that I I, I can look, I can look at the stats on my Instagram account and I can see that, uh, uh, my my biggest country is the United States by far, mm-hmm. but then my second country is India. Good for you. Well, I asked Matt. I go, "What the fuck is going on?" He goes, "Those are the followers you bought." I did not buy followers. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, "Dude, that's come great. on." You're, Sorry, that's yeah, me. You're guilty that's as charged, but I didn't. But I mean, that's the way I feel. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, like I like. Um, uh, well, I hope I'm wrong, and I apologize to anyone in in the great country of India that's following me. But it's, it was just like you, you're huge. You're huge in India. I'm yeah. huge in India. Yeah, yeah, you're like the Beatles. <laughs> um, so wait, uh, the, you mentioned the first time having money, and you talk about this in your book that there's mm-hmm. two there's two kinds of ways there's two kinds of wealth. Uh, let me see here. Give me a second. I want to talk about wealthy people being greedy about that myth. Um, you know, you know, two kinds of wealth are. Money for independence and money for status. Right. I thought, well, this is really cool because do you guys have these pages folded? Because I don't even remember. Right I do. Have, <laughs> actually, yeah, I do have the pages folded. Look at, look at. Okay. Awesome. Is um, there a Spark Notes for? You? <laughs> yeah. When did you write this book? Uh, it's 2015. Okay. 
So, so many thousands of words have left your, is this your most recent book? Yeah. 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 Okay. That and help first were written together. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I write somewhere. probably 3000 words a day. I'm no Josh Bunch, but, uh, we publish every single day. So yeah, sorry if I can't remember this stuff. Um, I write 3000 words a day too. You can check my Instagram account. We'll do. Yeah. Um, t- let's talk about the t- money for independence and money for status. What, yeah. what, what, let's, what is someone who look like, what, what's someone's financial outlook, someone who is um, money for independence? What are some of the characteristics we'd see about um, that kind of person? They understand what a cash flow asset is. So I don't need to sell my business today. I don't need to build a CrossFit gym and sell it for $3 million so that I can retire, right? What I need to do is build a CrossFit gym that runs itself, that's always going to pay me 100000 a year, no matter whether I'm there or not, um, that can run without me. People are having a great time, even though I'm down in Santa Cruz. You know, um, They're going to do bicycle roller races next Tuesday. It's sponsored by a brewery. Awesome. I'm not even part of that. Um, it also means that you have the freedom of choice. So, uh, and we, we are going to talk about this, like wealthy people are greedy in a minute, but um, what, what having extra money is going to do is, is shine a spotlight on the kind of person you are. You know, um, when CrossFit for Hope was big, uh, Greg kind of changed the direction in one meeting and he was talking about um, just finding people who needed $10,000, people for whom $10,000 would make a dramatic improvement in their life and just giving them the money instead of trying to do these massive fundraisers that we were doing like St. Jude. And that really stuck with me. Like, um, So I started interviewing people, clients who were taking kids in uh, and fostering them. And I was saying, like, how can you do this? You're investing all of this time and energy into this kid and like your heart must be broken every Friday when their parent wins them back. And one of them said, Chris, but what if that's the day that makes the difference for the kid? What if that's the one thing? And that combined with what, what Greg's actions have proven over the years have really kind of given me a perspective of like, why do I even want to get wealthy? Why do I need to make millions of dollars? Um, and it, that's why. What More specifically, what do the characteristics, like I guess what I'm looking for is, is someone who... It, I have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Okay. I need a car. Yeah. Um, I can afford an Escalade. Okay. But then I have to pay for the gas and the insurance and all of those things. When for seventeen thousand dollars, I get a Honda Civic. Mm-hmm. Is that like that's what I hear you saying? It's like someone who's being practical, thinking. Then they can. Bank that other eighty three thousand, save it, or or have it grow on itself. Or am, am I on? Am I? It, so, the the difference is that uh, understanding what is going to bring you joy. Okay. Now I I've done this broke and I've done it wealthy. Um, <laughs> doing it wealthy is way better. Okay. <laughs> when you say do this, you mean live. <laughs> yeah. Just exist yeah. on the planet. Exactly. Okay. Just exist on the planet. Own businesses and stuff like that. Um. But that's not happiness, right? Money can buy you a way out of a lot of depression. Let's put it that way. But we know that things don't make you happy. So a truly wealthy person understands that I can leverage this money to do the things that will actually make me happy. If buying a big truck means that I can go around my neighborhood, pick up all the kids and drive them to basketball practice, then I need a big truck and that will make me happy. If I need to buy an Escalade so that you know, I can drive to the casino and look cooler in it. Uh, that's probably not the path to actual self-actualization and happiness. 
So it's really all about how do you leverage your resources. And I think that's what determines a wealthy person as different from, um, you know, like a greedy person. I grew up in Berkeley, California. There's almost a, you know, it's very expensive, hyper liberal, super wealthy community. There's almost like a guilt there that the people have for their wealth. Mm. It's, um, uh, because you know, they, they talk out of their mouth about one thing about, you know, how horrible corporate corporations are and the bad shit that corporations do to the world. And yet they're wealthy and they're set. And it's, and it's, and I grew up like that, that money was bad. Money was the root of all evil. And a friend of mine went to, uh, this seminar in New York was a free three hour seminar. And, um, uh, then after that, the guy tried to sell you a bunch of books for thousands and thousands of dollars. And so I just went along with him. I was probably like 19 years old and I sat in the seminar and he said two things that stuck with me. He said, you should have a mantra and your mantra should be, I'm a money magnet. And I always thought that was funny. So whenever I see a penny on the ground, I pick it up and I use that. That's the only time I use that mantra and I never leave a penny behind on the ground. You know what I mean? If I see one, I get it. I say, I'm a money magnet and my wife thinks I'm crazy. Um, but the other thing was, and this is whether, I guess, whether you believe in God or the way the universe sort of operates, but it says that you will always get what you want. And so if you resent people with money, if you talk shit down on the people, the guy who owns the Ferrari, if you resent the wealthy, if you think that money is evil, that's that's what you'll get. Mm-hmm. And that was like a like a profound moment for me. I was like, holy shit, what? And it's a waste of energy. Yeah. And in your book, if you could explain, you talk about, yeah, it's, it's not the money that's inherently evil. It's evil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I mean, money just puts a spotlight on you, right? Right. People pay more attention to what you do when you have money. And so if you're a dick, then you have the opportunity to be a bigger dick with money. Um, one of the hugest reliefs in my life was finding out that if people did give me a lot of money that I would do things um, that I think are the right things with it. You would leverage it correctly. I think so. Yeah. And, but you don't know until you have money, right? And so there's always that doubt. Yeah. Like, and people don't know. That's why judging is kind of dangerous too. You yeah. don't know until you're in that position. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're fortunate enough now where if somebody needs money, a uh, couple of kids on my son's hockey team at the last minute couldn't afford to take their 10 year olds three hours away to a hockey trip to stay in a hotel with all their best friends that had a water slide. They didn't have $300. <laughs> and for us to just be able to say, don't even think about it, we got it. Um, that is what wealth is. Did you assess their sco- hockey skills first? Were they, were they crucial? He got the a couple of good assists, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. Worth it. Worth it, you know. Um, Ignite, Ignite Gym, you mentioned it in the book, mm-hmm. um, but, but I couldn't grasp what it is. Tell me what that is. So Ignite is uh, cognitive retraining through exercise. And if you if you take all of the brain training games and products and crap on the market and you look for the one common denominator, it's um, it's exercise. Now for, for these are people who've had some sort of traumatic brain injury or who were born like that, or are you just talking about just overall overarching the brain. Um, U.S. memory champion Nelson Dellis, huge CrossFitter, right? This guy can memorize like two decks of cards in thirty nine seconds. Huge CrossFitter. Um, yeah, say, say his name one more time. Nelson Dellis podcast. Nelson Dulles. Google yeah. Google Nelson Dellis Saturday Night Live. Okay. Okay. Um, huge CrossFitter. You know, I I met him in in New York when we were uh, researching the chest stuff. Right. Um, 
Yes, but the the effects are more noticeable and profound with somebody who has low functioning cognition, just like the effects of CrossFit are more noticeable and profound on somebody who's 500 pounds. So if I bring somebody in with autism and they have trouble putting pieces together or showing interest in activities, and I bring them into a CrossFit gym, I'm going to get them interested in exercise in two visits. If I take them onto the, you know, the hotel gym and put them on the treadmill, they're never going to like it. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they like it, then I can start changing their brain. And that becomes obvious and apparent within 10 weeks. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, uh, you know, Bickle, uh, Matthew Bickle was in here for the podcast and, you know, he was a couple hundred pounds overweight. Um, and he was basically saying, you know, someone like Matt Fraser, whose head is up against the glass ceiling, his improvements are, are tiny. Yeah. Yeah. But you get someone like him and his improvements can be monumental. And, and I never even thought about that cognitively. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we can learn from that too, right? So we can learn from a child with autism. Uh, okay. They need constant reward. So first, the first job uh, when you're working with a kid who has autism is you let them loose in the gym and you see what are they drawn to first, okay? Mm-hmm. But you can use that with the average client too. Like you don't, you don't need to be good at the thing like that I want you to be good at on day one. You just have to be good at something so that you'll come back. So if you're not good at air squats, that's fine. Maybe we're going to try a deadlift because if you're 500 pounds, you can probably deadlift 95 pounds and that seems like a lot of weight, you know? Seemed like a lot to me on day one. Yeah, well, you, you, used, you used to deadlift almost six hundred pounds, didn't you? Uh, I had a five twenty-five. Oh, okay. Oh, a sense a little disappointment. Were you going for the six hundred? No, I'm, I'm just trying to be humble. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, my <clears throat> my best lift was actually in a, a federal prison, um, and uh, I was in a an APF meet the week before and failed at five ten, and. Uh, in the, in the prison, there was a guy that was keeping score and he had one tooth and they had judges and everything, right? Like this is a legit lift. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. I failed at 510 last weekend. And he goes, 520, I'm writing it down. Go do it. <laughs> was he an inmate? Yeah. Oh yeah. All these guys were inmates <clears throat> except for maybe two of us. And so I did it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We kind of got sidetracked there. With some shit weights too, <laughs> like some like steel Oh yeah, shit old steel, rust, you know. And when you say federal prison, U.S. or Canada? U.S. Oh wow, so yeah. a real prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We our, our federal crimes in Canada are like dirty looks. Yeah, I was going to say, I figured, I, when I picture your jails, I just picture a bunch of dudes sitting around smoking weed. Lack of tact. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you working on now? So with 7,000 words a day, you must be working on another book. Yeah, I have a new book. Um, I have a few. I, number one, I again, I feel compelled to teach uh, entrepreneurs that they don't need to go straight to Facebook to make good relationships and find good clients. So I have a, a new book coming called Affinity Marketing, which is basically like, uh, Sevi, you're coming to my gym. Who is the next most likely person to come to my gym? It's Haley, you know? And I just saw Haley, and she's tired because these babies are little savants and they're busy guys, you know? And so all I'm they gonna, want is mama. All they want. Just like me. Who can blame them? That's <laughs> right. Who can blame them? So I'm going to say, Haley, how can I help? Um, I'll tell you what, if the babies sleep from seven till 10, when Savon gets home, why don't you come in at 10 and we'll do a workout. And, um, I'm also going to change your nutrition a little bit because, you know, if you're, when you're breastfeeding two babies, you know, you need more, blah, blah, blah. Um, that sounds hard. 
it's hard until you do it. And then it just gets really, really easy. Cause like you have to give a fuck at a profound level. Well, that's yeah. All you have to do is think about one more connection, right? So if everybody in my city is separated by, has one degree of separation, Mm -hmm. if I don't know you, I know somebody who does. Right. And so if, if you're coming in, all I have to say is, Hey Matt, what's your wife's name? Oh yeah. What does she like to do? She loves basketball. Oh, that's awesome. I know somebody else who plays basketball too. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just a conversation. That's all. It's going back to what you were saying about, um, you called them the two percenters. Yeah. But basically this group of people that like they're far and few in between, but they get into the business for the wrong reason. And one of the tests are, Hey, what are your, what are the the names of your clients in your 12 o'clock class and and which one of them have pets or what are their pet names? Exactly. And if you're fumbling, like, uh, I don't fuck how would I know, then you're probably not in the right business. Yeah. Cause you haven't made any personal that's right. Connection. What What's the name of your current gym that you have? Catalyst. Catalyst. In the last two years, we have made... By the way, I, I saw your text message. I apologize for not responding. You were saying, hey, are you going to do my podcast or yeah. what? Shit or get off the pot, dickhead. Yeah. I mean, you were nicer <laughs> about it. You did it in the Chris Cooper way. Um, <laughs> I just stopped after the first four words. Yeah. Um, in, in the last in the last two in the last two years, um, we have made um, at Greg's direction. We've made a profound push to. Um, let me go back a second. In, in the history of um, CrossFit, when I first started working here in two thousand six or seven, there was this like, hey, where Greg would say something along the lines of, hey, we really like Richard Simmons. He's amazing what he's done. No one has um, had more women lose a hundred pounds mm-hmm. on the face of the planet. Yeah, but if we start there. And we'll never be able to backfill or, or forward fill. We'll never get Navy SEALs to do the program. So we're going to start at tip of the spear and really, really make this profound um, uh, fitness methodology, health methodology, and then we're going to backfill from there. Okay. And we're not, and you've probably heard that a million times, right? And we're just going to stay there, stay there, stay there, and smart people will figure out that, like, they're scaling and that, you know, Greg has that, you know, that famous line about um, Olympic athletes and the elderly need the same kind of training. It only varies by degree, not kind. Right. And, that was good. I, I thought you were going to get squirrely there. But Thank perfect, you, Matt. Yeah, Thank perfect, you. Yeah. Um, can you smell my breath today? Not right now. And <laughs> this, um, about two years ago, he said, hey, um, we're, 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 not, we're not even going to backfill now. We're just going to go to the complete other. We were mm. at the North Pole with the Navy SEALs. Now we're going to go with the, to the South Pole with the just morbidly obese. Mm. So we've started basically making all of this media and telling stories, authentic stories, true stories. We didn't know the stories we were going to find, but we started going out into the community and telling these stories about people who have had dramatic lifestyle changes. Like we were saying, those people who are two or 300 pounds overweight are going to have the most dramatic changes and they're going to be quickly. Yeah. We had our own Gary Roberts sit here for four months and lose 50 pounds fall in love it was four months ago that i was here last Uh and i could see a a drastic difference when i saw him last night oh you did see him last night yeah where did you see him he was here oh yeah yeah he's like a hunk now yeah he's a hunk he is (laughs) yeah it's great it's crazy yeah his eyes are all yeah um the other day um octane crossfit posted something did you see that yeah reagan's a friend okay he texted me this morning and said thanks for the support um yeah he's a nice guy that that made me like um, exceedingly happy to see that the gyms are like so one of the things was uh, one of the things that Greg was saying is like hey 
I think affiliates with more than 100 members, they all know this already anyway. Or I can't remember the number he said because they see it happen. They're not right. stupid. They know they're not making games athletes. They know that they're saving people's lives and they're saving them from chronic disease. But we still have to make sure that everyone who goes through the L1 program knows that they're not getting the tool to make just the fittest people in the world. They're getting the tools to save lives, right? to cure people of chronic disease so that they don't accidentally walk through those hospital doors. Now, I don't want to take a dig at hospitals or doctors. They're super duper valuable if your kid gets his tooth knocked out in a hockey game, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but we, you don't want to go then for type two diabetes. You don't want to get you no. don't you don't want to um, go to them for um, for some bad lifestyle choices. What what are you seeing? Like, are you shocked to see this? Like this this, or no. or, or do you hear out there that the affiliates all know this? Um, I think what's, what's your I'm asking your your opinion on what what you're seeing out there. Do the affiliates think they're making games athletes? Do they think they're saving people's lives? I think everyone's more or less come around to the idea now that our target client is uh, a 40-year-old with diabetes instead of a games athlete. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that anyone else is as bold as <laughs> that uh, is bold, Reg right? Regan Dole is, yeah, um, which is great. You know, when Greg said that the first time, there was, uh, in our city, some people made some negative comments about it. They were mostly type 1 diabetics, and they didn't understand what he was saying. Um, but it's such a bold statement that the immediate reaction is that can't be true. You know, there's also some confusion around scope of practice uh, with, I, I think, a lot of CrossFit coaches because they're not sure, like, can I prescribe a diet or do I have to be a dietitian? Um, but I think the general awareness is there now that uh, if you're not giving people nutrition advice, you're not teaching CrossFit. And Greg said that on my podcast, and it was a huge uh, epiphany for me. Swimming with one arm in the water. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It is. The, it, if you look at the pyramid graphical depiction of yeah. CrossFit, it's nutrition. That's right. There's Number no one. fucking kipping pull up in there in that entire pyramid. No. <laughs> and I mean, you. I, I, I sorry. I take that as a jab for all the people who say CrossFit's bullshit because of kipping pull ups. Like, no, hey, we, right. we we do all the fucking pull ups. Shut yeah. the fuck up. But anyway, mm. I digress. Too much YouTube reading for me. Go on. So um, I think what we're starting to see now, though, is CrossFit is attracting other practitioners who want to ha affect greater change in their clients' lives. You know, Nicola Coyne is a great example. She just wrote a book called Nourish. She's a registered dietitian. I have her book somewhere. Yep. I, I need to read it and have her on the show. Yes, please. Okay. Um, she's awesome, huh? She's amazing. You endorse her? Yep. Uh, Say your name again. Nicole Acoin. Yeah. She was here for the... She's um, written for the journal. Three or yep. four articles for the journal. Okay, yep. She was here for the uh, certification committee last weekend too. Okay. But, um, you know, so she's been a registered dietitian for years. In her practice, she's working with people who are just not making the necessary lifestyle changes that they need to make. She opens a CrossFit gym so that she can change them. What's the name of her gym? Uh, CrossFit HSN, Healthy Steps Nutrition, uh, which is her dietary practice. Um, I have a girl who was a major in psychology uh, named Haley, and she had two career choices. She could go get her master's PhD and, and tell people about changing lives, or she could work in my gym and actually change people's lives. Mm -hmm. And thank God she chose the latter, you know, and, and I think that you're going to start seeing this creep now from other professions into CrossFit because CrossFit can be a vehicle for cognitive change, for dietary change, for just about friggin' anything. 
um, through creative exercise. I mean, it takes you directly to the end user. That's right. Where, where else can you find That's it? right. And we are so lucky to have this entrepreneurial opportunity to go straight to the end user on day one that I don't want to see a single affiliate fail at it. Um, you, you mentioned in this book subtly um, several times, you don't need to be the smartest person in your gym. No. You don't need to know anything. Nope. Get the fuck out of the way of the people, or the guy who's the expert bike rider, and incorporate him. Get get out of the way of the guy who's the best swimmer, incorporate him. Get out of the way of the person who knows about nutrition yep. and incorporate him. incorporate him. When do you talk to a client about nutrition? Day one now. Day one. We just started doing a new thing. It's It's so important to me that people hear a nutrition message on day one that now when they sign up uh, at our gym on day one, okay, we're going to do some stuff. We're going we're gonna to measure how are things going. So we've got a starting point. On day two, they're going to watch a video, and that's it. And the video is a 30-minute talk from our dietitian on <clears throat> what the hell is a calorie, you know, and what is a fat, what is a protein, what is a carbohydrate. And then on day two, they're going to learn how to squat. Okay, I like that because I was, I was getting really like defensive. Like I don't want you telling me what to eat, but it's not telling me what to eat. It's no. just a little educational video. Yeah, it's like the, I, I think um, I think Scientologists do that. When you walk in, the first thing they do is they show you a video. Hey, hey do you want to see our documentary? If you build your business, <laughs> they on... do. I went into I went into the one in uh, in uh, there you go. in New York, like Temple there. And the first thing they did is, you want to see a documentary? I said, sure. I came out. They said, what do you think? I'm like, that's not a fucking documentary. But so, anyway, sorry. What's What's the difference between good sales and propaganda? Propaganda probably has to deal with more of manipulation, right? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. So, I mean, if you want a good model on how to convert people to you, to the CrossFit cult, go go to Scientology Church or whatever it is. Yeah, it seems, it seems to be working pretty well for them. The, yeah, they're doing <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I think that's really important, showing people how to recognize the difference between a protein and fat and a carbohydrate. I mean, I think that is... My personal biased opinion, I think that is the single most important thing that if you just pass somebody down the street, hey, be able to recognize these things. Yep. And if you can tell them nothing else, fine, they have that that knowledge with them. Yep. Do you explain I, I, to them that eating fats doesn't make you fat? Well, I mean, is it going I, to that? all I mean, that. All that. Yeah. I, think, I think that lays the groundwork for an understanding of what can I eat that's going to really harm me and what's going to you know steer me away from chronic disease and decrepitude. So <clears throat> this goes back to what we were saying about you know, if you take a foster child and you have them for a week, hopefully that week is enough to change their life. And so I think if we have somebody for 60 days and I can teach them what is a protein, what is a fat, what is a carbohydrate, even if they leave on day 61, we've probably changed their life. They're going to take it with them the rest of their life. That's right. They're going to feel guilty every time they fuck up. Yeah, well, every time somebody tries to sell them a bogus protein weight loss shake or something, they're going to say how much sugar is in this. And that's what I care about. Mm. When you go to, I was at a Super Bowl party at my neighbor's house, and there were cookies out. What's what's a Super Bowl? It's, it's <laughs> don't even worry about it. There's nothing. We've we've got the regular so, bowl. So my ten year old is watching was... the Super Bowl, and he goes, "That guy's got a breakaway." <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, it can work. <laughs> I uh, I haven't watched football like in ten years, and, I, and the neighbors invited me over, and they have five kids, and I have three kids, and so like I just like wow. going over there, and they're great people, and. I actually enjoyed the Super Bowl. I actually enjoyed it. It's hard. It's for me. fun. It's, it's hard I mean, for me it's, to say. it's like the whole world's watching. Yeah. yeah. Did you go to a Super Bowl party? Nope. We. I shoveled my rink. Oh. 
and flooded it because I knew I had to come here the next day. For and those for people, start. shoveled your rink is that a is that a metaphor? Is that like what is, what is that? What's shoveled? Mine's your going rink in all sorts of different directions. We live, right? yeah. yeah, we live in California. Can you tell, what does that mean? You shoveled your rink? It means that I have a sheet of ice in my yard mm-hmm. that kids, my kids and like neighborhood kids skate on, and so we go outside when it's minus thirty, and mm-hmm. we take all the snow off it and pour water on it. And can you crack through it and drown, or it's not like that? No, there's a concrete pad underneath. I see. Oh. It's, it's like, so this is something you plan in the summertime. Yeah. You poured this concrete pad so that you could have a rink. Yeah, in your massive yard. concrete. It's pad. like it's like the wow. Canadian version of an American lawn, right? You got mow yeah. the lawn, you're gonna rake the rink. What do you do with that giant piece <laughs> of concrete during the the? Kids play basketball on it and stuff. Wow. Yeah, boards stay up, and then the there's a huge garage next to it that's you know it's got a rig and stuff. So all summer, the hockey kids come over to my house, and they started off just playing hockey in their shoes. But soon it was, it's a Ninja Warrior competition. We're doing CrossFit. So every Wednesday night at our house in the Valley is kids' CrossFit night. What What do you mean they played hockey in their shoes? So on concrete. They're just, oh. They wear their shoes, and they play hockey. And, okay, gotcha. And it started out that way, but then it quickly became CrossFit night because they didn't want to play hockey anymore. They wanted to swing on the rings and push the sleds. And How often do people go to the ER? Oh, never. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that. Okay, so I'm at the neighbor's house. We're a Canadian, man. You go to the ER, you book an appointment now for next September. Okay? <laughs> Nobody goes to the ER. Is that true? You guys are, you guys are, yeah. yeah everyone's don't, too you tough. don't want socialized healthcare. Okay. No, we're not tough at all. Oh. It's just our healthcare sucks. Okay. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't know that. I thought you guys had great healthcare. I well, you that's provided for propaganda versus sales in the States, right? Okay. Yeah. Right. I get it. There, there's okay. Let's say what, what, what um, hockey has the Super Bowl, right? Stanley, Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup. Okay. Yeah. So did you go to Stanley Cup party? Yeah. And there'll be cookies out, right? Yeah. Do you eat the cookies? Yes. Oh, you do. Do you eat the cookies? Uh, occasionally, but no. Typically, just like a, a regular party. No, I won't. Yeah, I didn't eat the I didn't eat the cookies. Good for you. Year. Yeah. There was I, cake at the Super Bowl party I went to. I didn't eat any. I, it was. Uh, it was hard. What about beer at CrossFit events? I had three beers. Good for you. We, <laughs> we had our, our I, and maybe that's what I'm doing. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just choosing my poisons. Uh, maybe that is actually what I'm doing. Sorry, what were you going to say? We had we had our intramural open draft party the other night, and for the first time, I said, "Screw it, I'm going to pay for the beer." Uh-huh. And we brought in a keg, and um, we have a cafe, but and she made pulled pork and like homemade potato chips and stuff, and it was. Um, I have crazy guilt when I eat potato chips. Crazy yeah. guilt. But I had more guilt about the beer okay. because it was like, are we still at gym here or what? You know, it, and so I was kind of torn, but it, it turned out great. What, what what kind of beer? Molson? No, no, it's a local microbrewer. Okay. Um, I've, I've heard that term before, in the inter, doing them open as an intramural. What does that mean? I don't yeah. know what that means. What is that? So um, when I went to high school, there was a system like Hogwarts where everybody on their first day is drafted into one of four houses, and then you are basically compelled to play a sport or activity every day on your lunch break. You're on this team. We were on the Panthers. And so every morning, somebody would come to my homeroom and say, Chris, today you are playing basketball, and your team will get a point if you show up, and you'll lose a point if you don't. So when we do the Open at Catalyst since like 2013, no, 2012 was the first year, right? Um, right, we've an article written about this, I believe. We've all always had a draft. Yeah, yesterday I, I ran into Rory and he said, I've interviewed 12 affiliates about the Open and 10 of them have said intramural Open. Yeah. And I was, so you have right. this sort of this, it's an added pressure. It's not only are you being scored against the group, the, 
the world yeah. but like hey you better you better show up and represent for your your little team yeah your little team that it, wow I it's not that. chris telling you it's mm. betty lou from the lunch group saying will you be on my team and uh the pressure is intense so are, that are there any more what, like uh, points awarded to like performance or um yeah up? so it's a point for showing up for each event we actually have a sixth event which will be like probably an escape room this year it's been hockey games and stuff in the past yeah, that's cool and then um three points if you're on like top three podium and then five points for spirit and that's that's our biggest one. Oh my god spirit yeah. spirit yeah. spirit of the games a person probably ranks really high on the pumpkin list of a 100 percent. i hate yeah. the spirit i don't like that you don't like spirit no i just like like it's like the special olympics it's like everyone's a winner it's like come on well, no, but the thing is, man, everybody deserves a medal for right? something. Right. Just not all the same thing and not all at the same time. So if I, everybody's the best at something. I really believe this after working with kids with autism and seniors with dementia. Okay. Okay. okay? Everybody's the best at something. Um, I have the opportunity to show a small slice of those people that they're the best at something today. So that's what I do. Okay. You, you have the books. So I'll... I'll... I'm gonna write another book about that. I want. <laughs> Maybe I already did. I don't even. Yeah. Scared of money. I've heard you. You talk about people who uh, most people are scared of money. I heard someone say to uh, one of my friends one time, "Dude, what the fuck? Are you allergic to money?" Mm. And um, what does that mean to you to be when someone is scared? scared what was of the money? context of them being allergic to money? This friend of mine. Yeah. Um. They had there was demand for their product, mm. and they weren't producing. Oh, okay. Yeah, there is a certain phenomenon called fear of success. Uh, a lot of people have it. And number one, um, people can be scared to win because it's a lot harder to be in first place than it is to be in second. Second place, you can fight like crazy, but nobody's paying attention to you. So if you screw up, it doesn't matter. First place is a completely different story. So if you say, I have this amazing product and um, you're successful, you make a million dollars, $5 million, and then the product sucks, you suck. Right. The second is um, a, a lot of people deep down feel like they or feel as if they don't deserve to be successful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of founders, entrepreneurs struggle with this. Um, they get this this effect of like, who the hell am I to do this? Um, but also a lot of small business owners project their fear of money onto their clients. They don't understand that their clients make three times as much as they do. And so they'll say, oh, people can't afford that. Or they'll, they'll price their service way too low because they're, they're basing their prices on their own budget mm-hmm. when they shouldn't be doing that yet. Eventually, they'll get to a point where they could afford their own service, but maybe they can't in the beginning. It's interesting you say that. Um, I, I, I had directed four movies, and I still didn't think of myself as a director. And then I knew people who hadn't because I just didn't. I just couldn't. I just, I just, my, my image of what a director was was not me. Mm. And um, I, had, I knew people who had never directed a movie, but they're, they were directors. Mm. You know, they were able to um, give themselves that. Oh. It's kind of the same thing. I was, I, I was, uh, whatever image I had of that, it wasn't me. And then finally I just accepted it. Okay. But I still don't feel it. Would you call yourself a director? If you I would. To... I would. Okay. But I. But 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 I never. But the image that I had of what a director is ne- has never. The two circles have never come over like that. So if 
if any of you drew a picture of a salesman today, what what would that picture look like? Uh, I'd be shirt and tie, briefcase. Yeah, briefcase, killer briefcase. Hair, hair quaffed. Quaffed. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I got. That's yeah. my salesman too. I like it. Okay, smiling, maybe a little shiny tooth. Yeah, but not not a desirable person, right? None of us no. wants to be like that. No. But no. if you own a business, you have to sell. So how do you get people to accept the persona of salesmen? You have to take money from people. Okay. So that's why we teach like a help first philosophy to view it as helping, to view it as your duty to tell a person what oh. is the best for you. So this is more this is more tricking the person applying salesmanship. Maybe. Maybe. That's how that's how I interpret it. And I don't think that's wrong. I think that's brilliant. Because it is hard for people to get to be like to think that and go back to your example of my perception of what you know is a lot of money is not the same as somebody else's mm-hmm. that person is my client and by offering them you know say we can't do that because it's too expensive i mean it's hard to get over that hump because you're so conditioned to that yep that's that's pretty profound i like that i had this job and it paid a thousand dollars a month and it took me all over the world and I filmed malnourished children and I made short documentaries about it. And I thought it was amazing because I got to travel all over the world. I mean, you name it, I've been there. I've been to a hundred countries. Wow. Crazy places. Wow. Crazy, crazy places too. And after a year of doing that and I'm living at home and I'm uh, my own camera and you know what I mean? Like a thousand dollars a month doesn't, doesn't pay for anything. No. Right. But I'm living at home and I'm getting this great experience. And after a year, I'm like, um, job I found on Craigslist, by the way, um, working for a great guy in a great company. I thought someone in my family said, Hey, you're not getting paid what you're worth. And I was like, I was like offended by that. Like, I'm like, fuck you. I'm doing fine. Like, you know what I mean? And one day it just came out of my mouth. I told the guy, I said, Hey, I need, I need to get paid more. And he goes, how much? And I go double. I need to get 2000 a month. He goes, okay, done. I'm like, Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) I could, I mean, I I couldn't, I mean, it still wasn't enough, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't believe it. You know, um, I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting, I just got, I just, I just, I'm getting 2000 a month. Like I'm worth it. it. I'm worth it. You're worth it. Yeah. I'm worth it. That's the key. So how do you, how do you suggest people get over that hump of accepting that they are worth it? There's some training there. Um, but I'll give you an example. So a guy named Steve just signed up at my gym. He coaches hockey. I coach hockey. Can you use his name? Uh, you can say Steve. Okay. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I like the way he looks at you, Eric. You can use Steve. Yeah. He's a great guy. Um, so when Steve comes in, I mean, he's getting exercise three times a week. He's playing recreational hockey. He's probably having a couple of beers every time he does. So I can say, Steve, you can do CrossFit. You can come three times a week. I think that's going to fit your budget. Or I can say, Steve you need to see me four times a week and you need a nutrition plan, a service that's going to cost twice as much. Most affiliate owners would say, I'm not comfortable telling him that, but I know it's my duty to tell him the right answer. Fuck the cost. Like don't project your wallet onto somebody else. Well, but you're also in a position where if he walks out the door, I'm fine. You're fine. That's right. I think a lot of affiliate owners in that position say, I need to retain as much as I can. That's a great problem. You're right. There could be some bedside manner there though. Right, you know, just you know, just but, how you say it. Yeah. Be like, hey, hey, 
this is really impressive that you're doing this. You're juggling pretty interesting lifestyle. You know, you obviously drink a lot of beers. You come in here and work out. Eventually, this is going to catch up with you. Yeah. It's fine now at 43 years old, but at 53, it's not. And I just want you to know that, like, I what I would like to see for you, right? You mean? Yeah. Be like, but but no pressure. I mean, you can couch it in a way that's like, but I want you to know as a professional, I think that you should only be drinking on Fridays and Saturdays, and I think you should be coming in four times a week. Yeah. Right. And, and I like. But you Matt's to, right. It, if you're starving for that money, it's really tough. Yeah, I think you have to you have to pick and choose your battles, depending on what position you are in. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of factors that go into this scenario. If you were mentoring Matt right now and he was pushing back like this, let's pretend like he's an affiliate owner. Would you like, dude, quit being a bitch? No, we would <laughs> we'd start doing some role playing exercises, and then we would say like, who are your next three um, consultations who are booked? Let's walk through them, find out everything that you know, and then ask yourself like, can do they make more or less money than you? So. And what is the best answer? And then it's your responsibility as a professional coach to tell them the best answer. I think that's a very interesting point, knowing how much money they make. And I think it comes back to what you were saying is this this is being an affiliate owner is the rule is a game of relationships. Mm. And that might not be I mean that extends beyond the people in your gym, knowing the community around you. I mean, being plugged into, you know, the economic structure of, you know, what surrounds you, I think it definitely help you as far as being a small business owner. Yeah, I think where a lot of people get stuck is they look at like, what is the mean average income of my local community? And they try to price accordingly. And that's just a guess. Mm -hmm. What they have to realize is like, they're serving probably the top 10% of people making money, and then giving money back to the bottom 10%. We can we can talk about like charity and stuff later if you want to but um, it, we're selling a premium service. Absolutely. Um, not everyone is going to be able to afford our service, and that's okay. You mean as a CrossFit gym? Yeah. Okay. That's right. Like at my gym, group classes are the budget option, 150 bucks a month. That's what you do if you can't afford one-on-one -on -one training, you know, with dietary support. Mm -hmm. And I think that's instead of just opening up and shooting for like what is the least amount of money we can we can charge here, we need to be looking at like who can we serve. And 150 Canadian dollars in real money, like coffee, it's like a hundred bucks. Coffee, yeah. You can trade me this hundred American dollar. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? How much is your gym? Uh, I think they are bare minimum. Two hundred a month for perfect. Um, for a monthly group. So if you take, I think it's the median income of a person in Santa Cruz, California. And you divide it into the median housing cost. It is the most expensive place to live in the United States. I believe it. So who lives here? People who can afford it, right? Yeah, and a lot of people. Yeah. Who can't, a lot of people who can't. Basically, what's happening is you know we're 17 miles away from Facebook, Google, Apple, yeah. Silicon Valley over there, and so people are rushing over the hill, yeah, to get homes. Um, and, and and his gym is 200. 200 a month yeah. for, the, for the bare minimum. I love budgeting. It's a hobby. Yeah, but I mean, the people going to my <laughs> gym. I like budgeting gym, too, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they probably see $200 as like a rounding error, right? Right, right, right. So where I have waitresses taking extra shifts to pay for CrossFit. Right. And hopefully their CrossFit, God, I hope I don't get me too. Hopefully their CrossFit physique will also bring them more and what they learn from CrossFit and what it does to their persona and self-confidence will bring them better tips. Exactly. I, I'm going to guarantee that um, anybody who's starting CrossFit 
and in a an, a job that doesn't pay them what they deserve will quickly rise to a job that does because they'll have the confidence to mm-hmm. move up. Beautiful. I, th- I think it, at my, um, Greg taught my L1, I think it was in 2007, and I think he said that if, when you do CrossFit, three things will happen. You'll either um, get a new job or you'll get a raise. You'll um, either improve your relationship or you'll get out of your relationship. <laughs> There's a third one. I can't remember the third one, but I like those two. I right? mean, that's sort of jumping on what you were saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Like shit's going to get better. I mean, a prime, ex- prime example is Gary. Look at him. Four months ago, he came here yeah. just looking like a bowl of jello. Couldn't didn't really look at you when he talked. And his, his life was in a tailspin, just freshly divorced. And now the guy looks like he's a stud. He's got a girlfriend who's awesome. He's practically married. And he's ecstatic about life. Like I mean, I couldn't see a bigger 180. And all he did was work out, you know, five, six days a week and dial in his nutrition. Yeah. And everything else kind of fell into place. It's unbelievable. You lead with that, you know, what that does to your life, the trajectory it puts you on. Do you see it every day in your gym? Yeah. Yeah. How many how many members do you have in your gym? Uh, 205. And how many people live in your town? It's tough to get a read, but probably about 63,000. Oh, small town. Yeah, the town's Why is going it tough bankrupt. to get a read? People get eaten by bears and shit? What do you mean? It's no, tough people to are leaving really oh. quickly. Um, so we had three major industrial employers and they're gone they're bankrupt so my mission now sorry is by the way that sucks a, the dentists are still there the lawyers are still there those are my clients really mm-hmm. um so you know part of our mission now is uh, how do we take what we've learned from crossfit and teach that to other people to start businesses how many how many gyms in your town there are two crossfit gyms and a bunch of knockoffs are the two crossfit gyms former members of yours no, one is mine and one is uh, another guy. We started off as personal trainers together and then uh, his business model is quite a bit different. He'll only take four people at a time, do them in a small group. It's in his basement. Like, uh, it's a beautiful basement, don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's very private, very one-on-one, very different model. Um, if you do events, do you invite him? Yeah, but again, like it's not really his clientele. And so I, they came to a kid's event we did one time and I think that was it. So you're basically in your town. That's interesting. What's the name of the town? Sault Ste. Marie. And how far, where is that? North of? Everything. <laughs> how close are you north to Santa Claus? North Pole. Yeah. <laughs> Closer to Santa Claus than Santa Cruz. Like are you, are you above Detroit? <laughs> yeah. You so are... six, seven hours straight north of Detroit. Holy shit. Yeah. So you're in a limited road structure and everything. You are in the middle of nowhere. Well, we're, we're right at the intersection of uh, the Cross Canada Highway with I-75. So I actually do get a lot of visiting CrossFitters, like almost every weekend. And uh, But yeah, I mean, we have to really position ourselves well in our market. How did you, Chris, how did you get into CrossFit? Uh, I was a personal trainer. I was coaching fitness since 1996. In 2007, um, I was helping out at a uh, triathlon. I was in the bike pit just doing little repairs and stuff. And, and this guy says, hey, have you ever heard of this CrossFit thing? And I said, what's that? And the way he described it sounded like you would sling a rope over your shoulder, run five miles, and then use the rope to climb a tree, right? <laughs> and I said, uh, that sounds like bullshit. Uh, and then I kind of forgot about it for a year. And then this kid showed up, and I was selling treadmills at a store at this time. This was 2003, maybe, 2002. And he said, did you look at that CrossFit thing? And I said, you know, same guy, uh, same kid, Eric Ross. Yeah. And so I looked it up and, 
opened a gym in 05. We were doing personal training and experimenting with like Tabata. And then um, one of the, I was competing in powerlifting, but one of the other trainers said, I will try this for 30 days. And he blogged the whole thing. And this kid was uh, an ex-baseball player. And the first day was a 10K run. And it was mm. like March in Canada. So it's minus 15. And he said, well, I'm going to do it. And then he just kept saying, maybe I'll try one more month. Maybe I'll try one more month. And powerlifting was burning me out. So I said, well, I'll try it. And then um, within a couple months, I was like, I, do we have to pay these guys or something? Like, And we found out what affiliation meant. It, um, I had never done deadlift in my life. And I was at 33 mm. years old or whatever, when I 34. When I found CrossFit, I started deadlifting. And I remember my deadlift being like 95 pounds. And then I remember after two months of deadlifting, like I had like just crazy dramatic yeah. uh, physiological changes. Like my whole body started looking different just from doing that. Well, my first that CrossFit movement. workout was CrossFit Total, uh -huh. and I was—I had been a powerlifter the day before, mm -hmm. so I was like, "I'm gonna win this. CrossFit's easy," you know. <laughs> and then the next day was Murph. <laughs> oh gosh! No. Did you, you didn't do it with a vest, did you? No, I still haven't done it with a vest. <laughs> I've never done it with a vest either. No. Matt, I bet you has. Yeah, I've done. I've done yeah. I'm not very good at it, but I've done it. Chris, how old are you? Forty-two. And you have two kids, 10 and 13. 13. Yeah. Are you any more kids? No. No, done. Um, is there anything that you would like to cover? Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's worth going into um, like what's possible here with a CrossFit affiliate and what to do when you get like, you know, we could talk more about what wealth means, but also what you do with it matters. And the real reason that I want to see CrossFit affiliates get successful is I have this feeling that when you shine a spotlight on them, on a wealthy CrossFit affiliate, they are going to do the right things with their money. And um, a lot of them are trying to do the right things before they even have money. You know, they're they're cutting discounts to everybody because, oh, that, that guy can't afford it. Um and they're really kind of martyring themselves. You know, we talk to a lot of people, they're three years in, their first lease renewal is coming up and it's like, I've never taken a paycheck. I hate to say that on this show that that happens, but it happens a lot. And um, the problem is that they don't understand that they need to build themselves a financial engine before they can start pulling people with their truck, you know, as an on the fly analogy. On, on the what analogy? On the fly analogy. <laughs> what? Um, um, uh, and and, and g they need to do what? And is that, and you talk about that in your book about building multiple revenue streams. Yeah. Is this what you're talking about? So is, it's is the really like, big picture of that? Yeah, it's more like the, the meta uh, of having a financial engine, right? So um, when, when I was broke, I would want to help kids in my community play hockey and I would want to sponsor them, but there's no way I could do it. So when I made a little bit of money, I said, well, I could take 10% of what I make and funnel it to them, but that's not really going to have an impact. Or I can say the first year I make a million dollars, I'm going to dedicate this much. Right. And about that time I was on CrossFit for hope and I was hearing this same message all over the place. And, uh, I said, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait until, um, I can, I can afford to spend money without thinking about it that will make a dramatic difference in somebody's life and just look for those causes. And I learned that from CrossFit for Hope in St. Jude. I apologize. I'm going to go back for a second. Sure, man. Because I, I, I'm lost. I own a gym. It's been a year. Mm -hmm. I've been open and I haven't taken a paycheck yet. Yeah. What am I doing wrong? Well, two things. Number one, 
if you're not taking a paycheck, you it's because you probably don't need to. Your spouse has a good job, right? So the first thing that you need to do is start paying yourself, whether you think you can afford it or not. The second thing is um, somewhere along the line, the math didn't happen that needed to happen to show you like, here's how many people you need. Here's what they actually need to be paying. And here's what you can afford to be spending on rent and stuff like that. You know? So, okay. So let me go back. Let me just get this yeah. really practical. So yeah. I'm, I'm a year in and um, I haven't taken a paycheck mm-hmm. and I need to make a paycheck. And if I'm like, but Chris, I, I just told you I haven't taken a paycheck because everything is just zero. Everything is just balancing out. Yeah. So then you look at all my levers and you're like, okay, one of your levers is how much you charge a month. Yeah. You're going to need to increase that. Yeah. Or, hey, look at your space. You're yeah. not you're 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 not utilizing your space adequately. You're going to need to on Sundays when your gym is empty. You're going to need to rent it out to the stance club. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So so that's what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry if that's obvious to to people out there, but I just want to be very clear. You're saying that some. You're not saying go in debt to pay yourself. You're saying, hey, you have to change something. Yeah. You didn't do the math correctly to begin with. This isn't sustainable. You've created something that's not sustainable. Yeah. And is that is that that's pointless? Yeah, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your. You're hurting. Yeah, you're hurting yourself, right? Yeah, you're chewing up time. You're re, you're the only resource you really have. So, basically, and how do you not get in that? So sorry, how yeah. do you not get in that position from the very beginning? Do I? I have to. I have to basically reverse engineer the whole plan before I open the doors. You should. I mean, it's it's a napkin calculation. Uh, in my case, people it, open gyms and don't do that. You're no. saying, holy shit. Yeah. Um, in my case, I had to get paid the first Friday that I opened. And so I knew as uncomfortable as I was selling people personal training packages, I had to do it or we weren't going to eat. And I had to get paid every week after that. And, um, most of the time we did where these, a lot of the folks now who are saying, I can't take a paycheck. I'm three years in. I only need 30 more members before I can pay myself. Part of it is discipline. You need discipline to pay yourself first. And part of it is uh, the math is wrong. And so when the math is wrong and somebody comes into our mentorship practice, I'm basically making a $2,500 bet that I can produce 2500 bucks for you in eight weeks where you weren't going to do that on your own. Um, and so the first places we'd look at is like, are your rates way out of whack? And if they are, then we're going to have to do something. That's maybe 20% of the time. Um, are you doing any personal training? So people who want to do CrossFit, but they don't want to exercise in a group. And for most people, that's a huge epiphany. So we change their intake. So that uh, personal training means one-on-one. Yeah, one-on-one, one-on-two. Okay. 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 Uh, So we'll change their intake process to reflect that. And then we'll say, you know, do you have a coach with a particular interest in coaching kids or whatever? Is there an opportunity there? And then, you know, I think... uh, so we had maybe 160 to 180 affiliates join last year. So I made that bet that many times that we could create $2,500 in new revenue that you wouldn't have created on your own and only four didn't make it. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Holy shit. Yeah. You really are a father figure. Well, but, it, but look who I'm dealing with. I'm working with CrossFit affiliates. Yeah. These people, people who they love their know jobs. how to work. Yeah. They have the best job in the universe. They have a blank slate. They can change anything. And, um, man, if I tell them to get up at 4 a.m., they'll pick me up, you know? What was the third thing? You said rates, personal training, and something around kids? Uh, like an additional revenue stream, like a CrossFit Kids program. You okay. Know? And and those are usually your first three go-to. Yeah. How typically. deep is that list? 
Oh, it's, it's infinite. I mean, um, you know, the Ignite program probably makes us about a hundred thousand, 150,000 a year in gross revenue. Um, there are some gyms out there doing cognitive programs, but if you've got somebody who's a master in self-defense, why couldn't you start an anti-bullying program? You know, you've got this amazing platform in your gym. Why couldn't you run escape rooms on Friday night for people? Um, why we've had guitar lessons, we've had photography lessons. Why can't you do that? Yeah. A, a complete lifestyle center. Exactly. And now when do you, you do cooking classes. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that. I think maybe last time, but you can also yeah. have a meal subscription service. So, I mean, I have an amazing meal subscription service three times a day. Uh, Mary who owns a cafe walks down the hall to my office and says, do you want a sandwich? <laughs> and I say, yes, I do. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, you know. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to dime her out, but um, Kara Hipskin, who yeah. works here, she's, uh, you know, nutrition, loves nutrition. Yeah. And I don't remember who it is, but recently someone who works here paid her for like a, to make meals for them. For, yeah, zone out her day. For, for how daily. many weeks? I think it started January 1, so it's been going for over a month now. Yeah. I mean, if and you're... good on both of them, finding yeah. someone who knows their shit and, mm-hmm. and, and, and paying them for their That's service right. and then, you know, knowing what you need to take your game to the next level. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a sensitive subject. Uh, you talk about authenticity mm-hmm. and you talk about um, Angel um, Gonzalez. Yes. And you use her as an example Him. in your, uh, I think it's CrossFit throwback crossfit outback crossfit it's angel gonzalez is a him and oh, okay. uh yeah what's the name of his box angel gonzalez yeah damn i wrote it down here i apologize i apologize angel for getting your gender wrong and not knowing the name of your box but anyway fantastic box um you work with angel um angels in a wheelchair and angel yeah. has wheelchair clients yeah and you in your book you go into the the sort of the authenticity that angel took advantage of the the position he was in to um He's, he's got street cred. Yeah. So I met Angel, and I only met him for a weekend. Um, we were at an adaptive athlete seminar around Boston somewhere, and um, I was just a participant. And it just happened, miracle of miracles, that this kid and his family come in the door of this gym, uh, Reebok CrossFit uh, Back Bay. Mike Lejeune owns it. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, just at the exact time that Angel's in the building, this kid comes in and he's in a wheelchair. And so Angel takes him in the back room and he says to the kid, get out of your wheelchair. And the kid, he says, well, I can't get back in. He says, get out. So the kid goes on the floor and Angel says, get back in. So immediately the dad. And you can't say that to a kid who's in a wheelchair unless you're in a wheelchair, right? Exactly. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right. So the dad moves to help him Uh and and Angel says, stop. And... um, the mom says, well, he can't do it. And he said, you're the problem. Mm. Oh, I'm going to start crying. That's, I know. That's gnarly. And so the mom does, she balls. She gets it right away. And Angel says to the kid, get back in the chair. And like nine minutes later, the kid does. Now, this is all out of sight for us, right? We can't right, see this. Right. And um, nine minutes, man, that's a struggle. That is a full out, yeah, Imagine trying to climb a fence. Yeah, a fence for nine minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, So he gets back in the chair. So then Angel is he crying? The kid. The kid's bawling. Little brother's bawling. Like, why won't you help my brother? And um, Angel says, "Look, man. Someday you're gonna want to drive a big truck like me. You're gonna want to go on a date. You're not gonna want your mom there. 
Damn. Yeah. So that's authenticity. Now here's my question. You're 50 pounds overweight and you're a CrossFit coach. Your job is to make people healthy. Your job Mm -hmm. is to talk to them about nutrition, about healthy lifestyle choices, about proper movement, about intensity. And none of those things come easy. Is is my, do I have authenticity? Because do I have street cred because I'm overweight and I'm talking to you and I know that I know the struggle is real or is it like, nah, you fat piece of shit. Why would I listen to you? You haven't di- you haven't figured it out yourself. What have you done in the last ninety days? You know, uh, what what's because we see done? it. We see it. That's right. We see, we see overweight CrossFit coaches. We do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if they're documenting their progress mm-hmm. and blogging that every single day, and people come in here and, and they see Gary and then they see him four months later, right? Uh, yeah. Tell me about my diet, Gary. Fix it for me. Right. You know. Um, so I think if people know that you were once. 120 pounds heavier and now it, you've lost all that weight and you're you're not there yet but you're still going I think that's authenticity like we had Kevin Ogar in here yeah he's huge he's a big man he's not I wouldn't say he's obese he's his shoulders are still like and his chest is still bigger than his gut you know what I mean like his his proportions but man like um if he and and, and you know he's doing it for a reason he's yeah. training for his sport his yeah. specialty but 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 even that look, um, uh, I just wonder, I wonder sometimes like, you know what I mean? Like, Hmm, is there, is there like, is there a point when you're like, Hey, that's not, you're, you're, I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to lower my A1C. I'm trying to be like, and, and maybe I'm just coming from the point of where I'm at at 45 years old, maybe 23 mm-hmm. year old guys look at Kevin Ogar and they're like, fuck yeah, I want to get like that. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't see Kevin in that light. You don't? No. You don't see him. Okay. He's a bad example. He's a bad, I'm not not trying to throw him under the bus. He's not, he's not fat by any means, but it's a, it's a delicate, um, I, when, when I was reading your authenticity chapter, I'm like, Hmm, I see videos of coaches and I'm like, Hmm, is that, I think it's what you do more than how you look. So I had a nutrition uh, prof in college and she wasn't overweight, but she would bring McDonald's to every class. And you could smell it the whole class. And she would eat fries while we were doing our work. And Amazing. I don't remember a single thing she said because I dialed out from the first 30 seconds. Probably, probably registered dietitian. Probably. Yeah. Uh, however, um, you know, I've got a guy, brand new client. He was doing CrossFit somewhere else. And I meet him in the airport yesterday morning. And he says, why don't we talk about macros more in public? And I'm like, well, you know, we do kind of, Roger, but... And he goes, well, I lost 120 pounds just sticking to my macros. Um, and I said, well, then why don't you tell it? Why don't we get people in mm. and do the Roger show at Catalyst instead of me saying it? So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. he's He's got, I think he told me he has another 60 pounds he wants to lose. He lost 120 pounds. He was a big man. Yeah. And macros is just the zone, but it's you, the can, zone. But you yeah, can eat it all. Zone. You can eat it all day, right? That's right. It's the zone. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think authenticity is what you do, not how you appear. Okay, I like that. Actions. You okay with that, Matt? Oh yeah, I like it. Don't make me don't don't act like I was throwing Kevin under the bus. I was I was just no 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 not at all. All right, you were. Thank you. Um, So I'll give you guys a great example because I published a thing about this yesterday. Okay. okay. So um, Gary Vaynerchuk. Where did you publish this? Tbrainbusiness.com. Gary Vaynerchuk. 
Gary. Is it is there a is there a hyphen in two two brain? No. Just two brainbusiness.com. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um in our legal trademark there's a hyphen, but I was not. gonna say that sounds like there should be a hyphen. And if you ever in do our, three brain, don't worry about royalties or anything, but we want to hyphenate it. Three you, brain. You know what I have registered is two Brian business because I type two Brian all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there are two Brian's who are mentors at two brain business. So it's Does it forward to two brain business.com? Two Brian? Not yet, but it will. Oh, there you go. Give me it's 20 easy, minutes. Easy. So easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, published yesterday. Published yesterday was uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. So authenticity means that you are pre- you're presenting your best self and trying to live up to that standard more than it is, um, well, I'm a douchebag, so I can behave like a douchebag, and if people don't like it, screw them. You know. So if you look at like... Are there people like that? There's a huge myth out there right now that like if you're a CrossFit coach, um, you should be authentic online, meaning you should be dressing like a bum, pulling your hat down over your eyes, F word, you know, like a comma. Um, Oops. No, but okay. But (laughs) But here's my point. You guys and me right now are talking to other entrepreneurs and that's an audience. Um, grandma, Mary, that was here a couple weeks ago, right? Betty. Betty is a different audience. Right. And she's going to be turned away from a potentially life-saving course of action by your behavior. Someone made a comment. I don't remember if it was on Instagram or YouTube. Hey, it only took a 96-year-old woman to be on the show for Sevan not to say the F word once. Mm-hmm. And they picked up on that. That's right. So if you look at, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is like the the icon right now. But if you look at like when he's doing his wine TV show, mm-hmm. there's not a single F bomb in there. He doesn't look like he just did a line of Coke before the show. He's got a collar on his hair is combed. You see him performing in front of entrepreneurs two weeks later and it's a different, it's Gary V, you know, it's Vegas Gary. Oh, I've seen him on Instagram. Yeah. It's F F this. Yes, Nobody yes. cares about your shit. You know, Mm-hmm. You have to know your audience. Which is the authentic Gary V? I don't know. And it doesn't matter. What matters is to that audience, that's who he is. That's an excellent uh, example. I definitely follow like one he's Gary V is catering to the younger demographic, obviously. Yeah. And then, you know, wine isn't enough, it's wine library. That's what it used wine to Wine Library, yeah. Yeah, it used to be wine library back in the yeah. day, and then you went away from it and now you came back to it. And that is a bit more um, refined. Help me out here. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter. Why doesn't it matter? What matters is that he can be that authentic person to people watching Wine Library, right? But he could be a completely different person to a different audience. And that's not fakery. It's knowing what your audience needs to hear to get them the results that they need to get. Okay. So if your authentic self has bad grammar, has bad breath, uh, I don't have bad breath. I know. Well, you, I mean, you brought it up. He can't smell it anyway. I can't smell it anyways. I don't think I have bad breath. You know, if you're a dick, then fix yourself and then be authentic. Right. Is that, you mentioned uh, there being a sort of a persona, a stereotype of a CrossFit coach. Um, is, is that true? I, I wouldn't say a... that it's a stereotype. I would say that there are some bad habits that are getting encouraged by people um, outside of our industry. So, for example... A woman calls me the other day. Um, yeah, you know, uh, nobody ever hits like or shares our posts on Facebook. Now, the relevance of that is pretty low. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, Matt, but if you if you run a CrossFit gym, there are other places to focus first. No, like, taken. Like, yeah, do people actually, are you likable? That's mm-hmm. why you don't get likes on Facebook. 
Um, so, you know, her husband, his Instagram posts are terrible. They're racist. They are extremely, like, politically um, charged. Charged, yeah. I, and I'm thinking, like, I'm a pretty conservative person fiscally. Uh, I, I'm offended by this. There's no way I'm going to support your gym. You know, I don't want to hear about that crap at your gym. So I think the key is like, be authentic, but be authentically good. And know who your audience is. Know who your audience is. I think that is a very, very valuable huge. here. Because people can get caught up in the game of what is authenticity, you know, to me. And I, I want to say a lot of people spend their entire lives trying to figure out what that means. Yeah. But doing it within a business setting, you've chosen your business is important to you. And this is your livelihood. And you're on authenticity or their business relies on your authenticity. So why would you limit yourself by being abrasive to certain groups and yeah. limit yourself to people who could potentially give you income? That's that's how I interpret this. Yeah, it's it, it's uh, it's 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 interesting also too if you are running a business and you are being racist and you are being um, you know if you're do, if you're doing things. Well, it's just you're 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 limiting yourself. Oh, you're crazy limiting yourself, it's, right? It's the most right basic element. You're not giving yourself an opportunity to make a livelihood for yourself. Yeah, and it's over things you could simply change. So, if you're a racist gym owner, let's just say, let's go, let's run with this for a second. Say there's one. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't don't be surprised. All your clientele are going to be racist because if they tolerate that shit, because really there's yeah, really that's only people who tolerate racism or other racist, and um. And even even probably other racists don't want to be in that group because they're not comfortable with be, being racist. Yeah, I'm getting. <laughs> they don't want to be on Instagram. That's for so, sure. So that's like a really. Um, it's like uh, it's like it's like there, there's got to be an, an analogy for it too. It's like having a gym with no parking. Like it, it's like it's gonna really really significantly affect yeah. your clientele. That being said, um, I had I had Brooke Ents on the show. And um, her Instagram feed has a shit ton of pictures of her showing her physique, like in all sorts of crazy clothes, like bathing suits and like just revealing clothes. The clothes she wears in her movies, all that stuff. And she has a crazy body. And the clothes look great on her and she looks great. And and one of the things I asked her is I said, hey, do, do you ever get dick pics? And someone commented that that was rude that I asked that when to me it's like, me asking you do people get fit in your gym seems like a very easy yeah <laughs> like yeah. leap that was, yeah. that was an interesting parallel you, <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. it's like a, I get what you're saying and so and so i can't <laughs> let that person i can't let that person's i mean so someone commented hey that was inappropriate that someone said that i'm never listening to the podcast again and i have to like be like okay bye mm. because uh, you know what i mean like i have to um i'm not sure if i know my audience or not but i can't not ask that right because I'm curious, yeah, I was too, and um, it doesn't so it, it doesn't seem um, it's not a leap. No, you know what I mean. Running no. a gym and having no parking is a fucking leap. Running a gym and being a racist is like a leap. These yeah. are like uh, so you have to have a, a modicum of intelligence, yeah, and, definitely, and care. And um, it, it is one of the things you said that uh, which was. In your book, you say it in, in several different ways. You talk about basically, well, there's one thing, there's one piece of continuity with all the CrossFit coaches, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but in all the CrossFit gym owners, 
they love their job, they're glad to be there, and they're not looking to do it to work themselves out of a job. Whereas I'm sure the guy who does, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of jobs out there, like the guy who holds the sign on the side of the road when you drive by, he's doing it because he's hoping to get somewhere else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's doing it as a means to an end. No one, no one's, no one's opening a gym with a means to like fucking probably just to immediately get out of there and abandon their clients. No. There's none of those. Yeah. One of the biggest questions we ask people at intake is if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do the day after? And over 95% of CrossFit gym owners say, I would go to my gym and coach. They're not doing this for money. But if they don't have money, they can't keep doing it. Right. And that's the paradox that many of us are caught in. In the back of your book, you you do a massive survey. I want to say industry-leading largest survey of of small gyms. At the time, it might have been, yeah. And you you published the results in the appendix here. Mm -hmm. Is that, was that hard to do? Were you like, uh, why would you give away your results? Why not keep that to yourself so people have to come to you for it? Oh, God. Uh, so, it's, you know Most what? people call me Savon, but you do as you want. Can I call <laughs> you <laughs> Can I call you Savant? <laughs> oh, yes. um, oh, so, God. I, this is always my constant battle is we'll have, we'll have a good idea and um, do I share it because somebody else is going to copy it or, you know, take it another way and attack us and that happens. And then I, I literally say, like, this must happen to Greg Glassman every day. Like, somebody's going to copy his thing and then say it's better. Their version's better. Mm. And so when I was thinking about publishing that survey, I said, honestly, I think it's my duty to publish this, and, um, but then to change the way that I do it. So now, now we have a live survey that um, thousands of gym owners have taken right on our site. It's much more in-depth. The, the answers are numerical, but... There's also like a, hey, if you don't know the answer to this question, press this button. What does know, that mean? The answers are me. numerical? Like well, multiple, cho- multiple choice? Or? Yeah, like what's the average length of engagement of a client in your gym? How okay. long does the average person stick around? Right. Mm. A lot of the times they won't know. So they just say, I don't know. But then there are a lot of subjective things too. Like um, could you, could you uh, leave for Disneyland at noon today and be gone a week without contact with your gym? You know, and that's one of them is if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? They'd all go coach. We had we had so. Rom, we had Romanov in here. One of the things that he discussed is that people cannot describe what they're doing. You can take a world class swimmer and say, "Hey, describe your stroke to me," and they'll describe it, and it's nothing what they do. Yeah. Do you feel like that about? Did you see that? When do you see that in your surveys that you ask people questions and they give a response, and you're like, "Hmm, that, but that's not what's happening." Like sometimes, like, 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 hey, how many clients do you see a day? This might be a bad example, and they say fifteen. And really look and they only see five it's more like um, they aren't really sure which metrics to attach to success so we'll say I'll tell people all the time I don't I don't care how many members you have it's almost it's only half the equation and when I get them on the phone and I say tell me the story of CrossFit Jalalabad they'll say well we got a hundred members and uh, you know so hmm. Part of our job is to educate people on like what actually counts. How long do people stick around? That's a really important thing to know. Tell me, tell me about um, CrossFit Catalyst. CrossFit Catalyst was started because there weren't any fitness options that were actually getting people truly fit in our city, and that's the effect that I wanted to change. So, did you know anything about fitness yourself? Well, I had a degree and I'd been coaching since 96 and what I saw was like an evolution 
in knowledge that was incremental until I found out about CrossFit and then it became exponential. And so we immediately changed our methods to uh, have the greatest effect on our clients. It's an interesting definition you give or, or, or story you give about CrossFit Catalyst. It wasn't one that I expected. Hmm. Like it would be like you, you noticed a, a vacancy, yeah, a void, yeah, and you filled it. Yeah. But you weren't going to fill the void if it was um, – if there was like a trash problem around town, you weren't going to start a trash dump, were you? Are no, you that entrepreneurial? No, or? I can only have so many chips on my shoulder right. at once. <laughs> <laughs> How old were your kids be before you send them to an L1? Uh, well, sorry, I know there's my, a presupposition in there. My friend Christian is the youngest affiliate owner ever, and he opened at age 16. So when Avery's 16, I'll offer to send her to an L1. Mm-hmm. I already offered them each $10,000 to not go to college. <laughs> so, Oh, I hope my mom doesn't hear that. The other day I said <laughs> something to my mom about my kids. So you, you act like there's a chance they might not go to college. What's college? I mean, by the time Avi's old enough to go to college, what the hell is college? Right? Yeah, I, I recently just saw my college degree for the first time. Actually, last weekend in the garage. I really enjoyed college. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. But the degree that you're paying for. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what it did for me. Yeah. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, you launched an imperfect product. Yeah, many times over. Um, the book is... Um, I guess for someone who comes to it for the wrong reason, they'll they'll notice stuff. You know what I mean? Like like it's a funky paper, it's funky spacing, it's just <laughs> yeah. it's just a funky book. Yeah. Um, it, it feels self published. It um, is. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but um, but you still published it. Yeah. Uh, why? How do how do you know when it's like, hey man, it, it, it's conveying what I want, and I don't if people are like, if people's can't you know if people are staring at as Lao Tzu says I'm I'm pointing at the moon and you're staring at my hand right um well well done and um how, how did you when did you become comfortable with that or, or are you still not comfortable with it no, when I, I say that your book is feels like it's published are you like you asshole in the back of your mind I'm too comfortable with it probably <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. uh oh <laughs> so that book I asked Marty Say to edit it uh huh good he, guy good guy a great guy he says give me three weeks to take a look and I said nah Publish. <laughs> so, um, did you have your wife read it? Yeah, she's read them. It's it's very articulate. It's very easy to understand. Um, it's not um, abstract. It's um, I mean, thanks, it, man. Yeah, it's 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 like, it's like practical as fuck. I definitely yeah. hear your voice in it. Oh, see, that's authenticity. Mm. And so my my best advice is take regular imperfect action. And those books are imperfect action. Uh, entrepreneurs get caught in this trap of, I'm going to listen to Tim Ferriss. I'm going to listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm going to listen to 30 podcasts a week. Where's all the money? You know, And I'm still making dozens of dollars. Um, but if they took action on any one of those things, they would be more successful. And so I want, you know, the, the original book was a gong show. <laughs> You know, there's a section two. There's no section one. There's no page numbers in the original. <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you have a copy of the original at home? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the 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 workshop is our center for entrepreneurship, and Eden manages the workshop, and she gives out copies all the time. And people are like, "What is this thing?" Who's, who's <laughs> is, is Eden your wife? No, no. Uh, Robin's my wife. Eden manages the Two Brain Workshop. Okay, I apologize. Next to the gym. Sorry, Robin. You should be apologizing to Eden. Oh, sorry. Eden. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
Uh, yeah, so regular imperfect action. And then when I got help first in two brain business, I mean, I wrote two books in like 70 days. I felt so compelled to get them out that I didn't want to wait two years for Random House to edit it, you know? And, th- and there's a chance after those two years they'd say no. Always a great chance, yeah. Um, yeah. My, my dear friend and colleague and peer, Dave Castro, has written a book. And he can't find a publisher for it. Fuck it. And like I'm dying to see the book. And it is a book that walks you through the programming of last year's games. Oh, man. It's basically a diary. Get it out. It was inspired by Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne wrote a diary when he was in jail. And so Dave has written basically a diary. It's 120,000 words. Wow. Yeah. Every single day he wrote about the programming, about the hiccups, about the equipment, about, you know, the, the just the controversy. Wow. The, yeah, it's basically his whole story of the 2017 games. That's rad. Yeah. Oh, and I'm just like, oh, dude, let's just do that. Let's get some the photo department here to put some photos just to it. and launch that fucking thing. Yeah, you, I'm dying to see it. I haven't seen it yet. You have an amazing media company here. Um, I don't. But my uh, son went to this author's Canada-wide tour uh, last year. And this was the first time that I was actually okay with just being self-published and not being a real author, right? So Ori goes to these to meet these authors. There's 30 in the room. And they've all won national awards. Okay. How old's your son? He he was nine then. Okay. And uh, he says, you know, my dad wrote a book, and and the authors are like, oh yeah, awesome kid, you know, like, <laughs> like, condescending, right? <laughs> but I look at these guys, and they're all they, they have day jobs. You know, they're not making a fraction of what I make. Um, so they've got these literary awards, and I ask myself, like, what do I actually care about? And your books are helping people. Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, and, you know, so what do I really care about here? And, and it's helping people, honestly, and it's um, having the freedom to do what I want. These guys don't have either of those things. What they have is an award that would be meaningless. I was going to say it something totally wrong. I was going to say, and, but the only problem with your book is it can't help you get laid. But that's that's not the only problem. I don't think <laughs> there that's are many true. problems. I think this book actually could lead to getting laid, actually. Let's find a single guy and put that in his pocket. <laughs> and, see, and see what happens. See what happens, yeah. I don't know. If the bar was set really low, a woman could find him, or, or if a woman had it in her pocket, a man could find him just attractive because he reads or she reads. One, one of and the on best... on a more profound level, you could actually run an affiliate off of what you learn here, make a sustainable income, help the world. Doing what you love. Yeah, and find a mate. Well, there you who's go. attracted to that, that type that of behavior. Be yeah. yeah, but it all depends on what your goals are. Right. If you don't want those things, don't yeah, read the yeah, book. Exactly. You could be yeah. a, you could be a priest and read this book and run a great gym. I'm not suggesting this book will. You have to bone to read your book. I, I don't mean, want to pigeonhole you. I think <laughs> no, a, I, I think a priest could run a great gym. Yeah, I think so too. Did you see we had a priest at the games this year? No. Yeah, there was a father. Um, wish I could remember his name. He's a CrossFitter, really fit, handsome guy. Kind of looks like a mix of AJ from uh, Reebok and kind of like James Hobart mixed. Did you see him? Hmm. You yeah, I know. I, I, Michael, I think his name was, but I, I, I don't see that hybrid of those two. Oh, come on, leave me alone. All right, he's wearing and he wore he's wearing the black suit with the white collar. Yeah, and he was just cruising around in the back. And you know, awesome. most I feel like a lot of the games athletes are like you know like Bible thumpers, like like Jesus guys. Many are religious. faithful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I meant, faithful. And uh, it was cool having him back there. Yeah, he, he was very nice. He cordial. was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, if. You cannot have strong spiritual health without strong physical health. I firmly believe that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's where yoga comes from is being fit enough to meditate. So if I'm a, 
uh, priest or preacher or whatever, probably the greatest thing I can do to help my congregation is 10 squats. It's a really good point. It's a really good point. You can't do this podcast unless you're really, really strong. Really? Or you can run really fast. Yeah. Uh oh. We went to, uh, we went, we, I, I woke up, I woke up, I woke up yesterday at 6 a.m. I went to the airport with Matt. I flew to Los Angeles, had a bunch of meetings, walked around, came back, dropped Matt off of his car at 9 30. Wow. Nine? 9 30? Yeah, nine ish, 15, yeah. And I uh, went home and rode the, rode the assault bike for 20 minutes. It's more than I did. And I made sure I rubbed it in Matt's face. And then I uh, put one of my kids to bed. And then I started digging through the book some more. Nice. I, I worked out this morning. Last time I was here, we had a workout before. And I wanted my mind to be sharp. So I did a workout at the hotel this morning. Just knowing. You know, I had the same thought too. I didn't work it out at all yesterday. And I was like, man, if I don't work out before tomorrow, I'm going to be a little off. Well, I feel a little off. Are you a little off? off? I feel a little yeah. off, yeah. I wanted to make sure my clothes, because I was just sitting around in an airplane and eating all day yesterday and all that shit, I just wanted to ride the bike for 20 minutes so my clothes would fit me nicely. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Smart. I think it worked. Is, I think this may be the first show where I haven't worn a vest. Is that accurate? Most likely. There was a vest in the previous episode with me, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little disappointed you didn't say anything. I was, I was just thinking it. Right before you said it, I was like, oh, he's not wearing a vest. He's not wearing his Wolfen. Um... Are you happy? Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. More than ever. Wait, I've yeah. got I've got two things. Yes, go ahead. One, I didn't swear this episode. Well done, sir. I was the only one here. You are off. And two, after after thumbing through your book yesterday, I ran across a sentence, and I have one more suggestion for you that I think might really, you know, it would it would it would open some horizons for you. Okay. You know, it's just <laughs> it's it's alliteration. It's just it's two things, and I just want you know take it or leave it. You know, I think taking it. I think you might benefit from being a little more dogmatic and dramatic. Okay. Yeah, I think I think I think those two things. You know, I, like I said, you don't want to limit yourself. Why dogmatic? Uh, because you despise it. Oh damn it! <laughs> I was I thought we were gonna get into something there. Uh, we could. I I, I, the, I hate dogma. I hit him on the plane. I was like, Hey, can you define dogma for me? And he's like, Yeah. yeah okay. We talked about dogma for five or ten minutes. On oh, the plane. we were sitting across from each other in the aisles. Well, I mean, I, I'm familiar with the word, and the movie, honestly, the first thing that pops into my head with um, Chris Rock. What's Dog, the movie? Dogma. Oh, no, I don't it know. It was like from the Jay and Silent Bob uh, oh, okay. clerks area. You, you, know, when, when, uh, oh, uh, you know who Oprah is, right? They yeah. got her in Canada. Sure. Okay, so yeah. we, got, we got Oprah here, and she's this in, incredible TV personality and this, in, uh, you know, you could say a psychiatrist in her own right, right? Yeah. And um, she, there was talk about her running for president, and some, one of the things that, you know, one of the pundits was saying is, is hey, that'll be really interesting because how is she going to fall on one side of a debate or the other? Because usually she's just really good at facilitating this this conversation and a certain mm -hmm. openness. A, and what's going to happen when she starts having opinions and corner, cornering herself? And um, it, 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 dogma and drama go together. You have to be, for there to be drama, there has to be some friction. And for there to be friction, you have to have some dogma. And I guess, you know, in the two times now that I've spent talking to you for more than an hour straight, um, you're, you're super easy to talk to. You are taking in people's information. You're not like, um, you're not judging them, it sounds like. You basically just want to take what they have, see what they have to work with, and start molding and pulling the levers that will get them to the goal that they want. Mm -hmm. You're not there to be like, um, 
this, the same way with you, you do with your nutrition. Someone shows up, you're not there saying on the first day, don't drink Coke and stop eating cookies and eat broccoli. You're like, hey, let's just go over what nutrition is. This is fat, and, carbohydrate, and, and also protein. Finding, finding the positives, right? I mean, they're That's showing huge. up to your doorstep. You know, why not highlight that and move on? I think you said that in your book. Yeah, bright spots. Yep. Yeah. Power moments. Yeah, cool. But that's that's what makes you happy is service. And I, I think uh Who me? Everybody. Oh. Yeah, it's it's part of, you know, the path to happiness. You can't be happy unless you feel that you are serving others some way. And I think that's something that I've learned from all of you guys. Number one is like um, how to go first. You know, if somebody visits HQ for the first time, they're going to get hugged a lot. And uh, <laughs> the first time I was here was maybe 2013 or something. And I was like, what? It, oh my God, I hope I had deodorant on, you know, because I wore yeah. deodorant today. I never wear deodorant. Really? I wore it today. No. I, not, I never wear it every day since. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, Changing lives. Hey, here. do you have to import yeah. that from the States? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't sweat in Canada because it's too cold. Um, it, but, the, you know, the other thing that people could really benefit, I think, from learning here is just what the sense of service is around HQ. And I, I think there's, if you haven't been here, there it's really easy to say that HQ is this corporate machine. Um, and so I really wish that I could bring affiliates along with me. And, and that's why I talk about visiting HQ whenever I can. And that's why you want me on the podcast. Yeah, that's part of it. You're not going to ask me about how I raised my kids or like the first time I did no. Bio. <laughs> you, 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 you've, you've seen behind the curtain and you see that base and, you, and you've shared this with me. You're like, Hey man, the affiliates have to know the faces. what you guys are doing back here. And plus it's crazy. Cause all we do, every single piece of content is made with two goals in mind to drive people into affiliates and to let them know that if they want more information, they can also go to an L1. Those yeah. are, those are like the only, that's like. And if it doesn't fit into one of those cubbies, we don't make it. Would you say I, that's fair? I'd say it's fine. Yeah. I went to uh, meet Justin Berg. Even yesterday. this podcast. That's the point of this podcast. Help affiliates. Exactly. Yeah, or, or to drive people into affiliates. Like yep. anything that we're saying here that, that you need deeper explanation on that I can't explain. There's 14,500 gyms around the world where there's someone like you there who will tell them. Yeah. There's a website with a dearth of knowledge. Right. Sorry, Justin Berg. Say that again. So I go to visit him yesterday thinking he's going to sell me a booth or we're going to sponsor a brunch or something at the games. And he takes 40 minutes to say, like, how can the games help affiliates more? You know, and that's what that's what I don't think a lot of people understand about HQ is the level of service and the the people who are here, you know. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still don't know if I'm gonna do the podcast. Come on, chicken. I'm scared. Why would Greg, you? Greg, Why Greg would did you it. Do? Yeah, I know. He's at his kitchen table. Like you're, that. you're only making it worse. <laughs> okay. It only you, goes down. If you from don't Greg. do it, I'm gonna tell you I have bad breath. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um. This was really good. I Thanks, think you're. Man. I think you're one of the first repeat guests we had. Hey, all right. Thank you. Uh, have we have we had anyone here twice? Patrick Roller. Oh, that doesn't count. Okay. He, Patrick was here for three days and we milked the shit out of him. We had him in here like three yeah, days. Yeah, you know, I, I want to say outside of Patrick, you're the first recurring guest. Wow, yeah. thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, I, I, last night, so last night I went to go listen to some of the last podcast when you were on. Okay. And I, and I was embarrassed the shit out of myself. My introduction was so poor and slow. Why? It was just horrible. But um, I noticed that that podcast had 9,000 views mm-hmm. and like the Brookends podcast in the first 24 hours had 22,000 views. Yeah. And, <laughs> but I received, I have never received more 
you need to have him back on. Oh, thanks. Than you. Oh, cool. So, so, and Fraser was here in that podcast. Probably has like ninety thousand views on YouTube, and probably another hundred thousand on Apple. And yeah. and and, all, and people are very complimentary of all of these people who've been on. But yours is always the most. Have that guy back on. Have oh, that cool. guy back on. And I think it's because people want to hear the practical, oh. they want practical information. Okay. You know what I mean, there's there's like a. Uh, so should we start over and do There's practical like, information this time? Or? We did some. <laughs> we did some. I'm just kidding. That's okay, great. Okay, good. I'm, I'm starting, starting to sweat. That's, that's authenticity. We did some. Come on. Come on. We did no, some. No, it's great. That's great. Land Thanks. the plane. Um, TwoBrainBusiness.com. Yeah. Um, are you still taking on clients? Yeah, I'll help anybody. Anybody okay. that wants a free call can have a free call. Uh, about thirty percent of the time, we'll invite them to mentorship. Okay, yeah. and 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 do you reach a point where you get full? Yep. Okay. Yeah, often. Anything else, Matt? Uh, no, I've said all I've wanted to say. We'll finish the show with just reviewing the five things that we suggest <laughs> that will improve you. More pictures in your books. We need twenty. Don't, Give me the top twenty. Don't get me tooed. We'd like you. To, we think you can quadruple your spacing. Get four books out of it. <laughs> Make people feel like they really accomplished something. Um, <laughs> uh, Tolstoy. We think, I mean, we think that you're volumes. not. We think that you're not accepting your true potential by calling it two brain instead of three brain. Like you need to take some of your own advice and really embrace. Yeah, I wrote that one. Yeah, down. don't be Tadmar, don't yeah. be afraid yeah. of your own your third brain. Yeah, and, and and maybe a nice Jewish last name like Cooperstein or Coopersburg, or maybe or at the very least just a pen name. Yeah. Something a pen else. name. Yeah. Okay. Stick with the alliteration. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Landed. All right.